106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. great story recently. Uh, I love telling it. Of a little girl who was uh, in a drawing lesson. She was six and she was at the back drawing and the, the teacher said this little girl hardly ever paid attention. And in this drawing lesson she did. And uh, the teacher was fascinated. She went over to her and she said what are you drawing? And the girl said I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said but nobody knows what God looks like. And the girl said they will in a minute. <laughs> 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 when, <laughs> when my son was four in England, actually he was four everywhere to be honest, I mean, <laughs> if we're being strict about it, wherever he went he was four that year, but he was in the nativity play, do you remember the story? No, it was big, it was a big story. Mel Gibson did the sequel, you may have seen it, I don't know, <laughs> nativity too. But, um, James got the part of Joseph, which we were thrilled about. We considered this to be one of the lead parts. Uh, we had the place crammed full of agents and T-shirts. You know, James Robinson is Joseph. Uh, we had... He didn't have to speak, but do you know the bit where the three kings come in? Now, they come in bearing gifts, and they, they bring gold, frankincense, and mare. This really happened. We're sitting there, and they, I think, just went out of sequence. Because we talked to the little boy afterwards and said, you know, are you OK with that? And they said, yeah, why was that wrong? They just switched. I think that was it. Anyway, the three boys came in little four-year-olds with tea towels on their heads, and they put these boxes down. The first boy said, I bring you gold. And the second boy said, I bring you mare. And the third boy said, Frank sent this. That's where you're listening to us, 
or good night or good morning. I'm doing a good afternoon in Northern California. It's cold up here. It's sunny in Northern California, but it's cold and it's moist. Been getting some rain in here and uh, we need the rain up in Northern California because if we don't get it, California doesn't get it. This is Lou Benninger. You're listening to No Hostages Radio. And we're happy that you're here with us, however you got to us. So you may have got to us through your podcast source, or you may have found our website, nohostagesradio.com, where you could listen to all of our episodes all the way back to number one. This is number 38, and it is the uh, 21st day of December, 2019. So we're going to be here for six 20-minute segments or thereabouts. I, I don't worry about the exact time since we don't have to. Uh, we're not controlled by some sort of a media advertising thing or something, hitting it on the hour like live radio or something. So we're going to breeze along here, cover some topics. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, you can reach me if you have a response or would like to communicate with me at no host, uh, at Lou, L-O-U, at NoHostagesRadio.com, Lou at NoHostagesRadio.com. You could also uh, text me, or if you want to talk live, uh, you can reach me at 530-713-1838. That's 530-713-1838. I answer Lou at Trauma Intervention Program on that line, so don't get, don't get confused thinking you might have connected with the hospital. I run a nonprofit here called Trauma Intervention Program, and we uh, so I take calls around the clock on there. But I'll be happy to talk to you if you want to call me uh, anywhere from at any time. Uh, thank you for listening. And let's see, is there anything else I need to start with before? I don't think so. I think we're about ready to go here. I'm thankful electricity is on here in California, which now is not a for sure thing. It used to be just when I, I grew up here, I was born and raised in California until just the last year or two. I never had an experience like you when you got up, you didn't know whether you'd have electricity or not. Isn't that interesting? Uh, back in the 1970s, we went through a, a national gas crisis, and I tried to cross the country with a friend on a road trip. And we had to stop in San Antonio, Texas, because they wouldn't sell us any gas until the morning. So we just slept in our car, just like a lot of homeless folks. But we didn't call ourselves homeless if we slept in our car. We were too cheap to buy a hotel room. So we just laid the seat back and snoozed until uh, morning where we could gas up and drive on to Houston. So, uh, but nowadays in California, you don't know whether you're going to get utilities or not. Now, uh, you know, it's interesting when the back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, when there, we had far, we were far less sophisticated and far less technology, but we were able to put out forest fires before they became Armageddon. We were able to... Um, keep the utilities on in the worst of storms. If you had a power outage, it was probably because a uh, somebody ran into a pole or a pole got snapped in the wind, but they fixed it right away. You never were without power for the whole day. It's crazy, totally crazy. Businesses could actually count on utilities. But uh, we know we know if you if you have any perception at all, you know what the problem is today is that the liberals have controlled the state of California for 50 years, 
and they don't care about the price of utilities or the uh, the reliability of utilities because they believe the world is going to end in 12 years. And if you know that the world is going to end in 12 years, you get desperate and you'll you'll pay any price for utilities, which is what we're paying now. It's, it's like, hey, there's no way we can use fossil fuel anymore because that's destroying the entire earth. If you've flown any any time uh, lately, you've noticed that the earth is not destroyed or looking like it's been destroyed. But they the le- left uh, their premise is that the earth is crumbling. It's, we're all dying, and that when that happens, uh, there no expense is spared. And so, if we have to pay two, three, four, five, six times as much for utilities as we used to pay using fossil fuel, hydroelectric, and nuclear, and now we're going to go to bird blenders and solar, which don't wind don't work when the wind don't blow or when the sun don't shine. So uh, we got problems, and uh, they're blaming PG&E, but really the start of the ailment of PG&E is a socialist economy uh, that is trying to tell PG&E where to buy their power. It, it, it's not actually trying to tell. They, either, they tell them, you will buy your power from these sources, and you will pay them a premium because they can't produce the power with a bird blender or with solar without you paying them a premium. So what we have is private enterprise, supposedly private, that is run by government. But when it goes bankrupt, then the private enterprise is responsible. That's what's going on here. And so have PG&E, has PG&E made some mistakes? Yeah, here's what happens when government sticks their nose into business. Business is trying – business, uh, whether it's run by an individual or a partnership or by a corporation – People have their lives invested in that business, and that could be their personal time or it could be their money. They've invested their money in, in, uh, to make that business start up, right? Tens, hundreds, millions of dollars to have that business start up. So if government was not involved in business at all, then it would rise and fall on the brilliance of those running the business and the desirability of the product or services being rendered. However, if the government begins to manage that business and tell that business when it can open, when it can close, how much you have to pay people, what kind of insurance you have to have or if you have to have insurance and all those kinds of things, workers' compensation insurance and all these insurances you have to have, right? And then they tell you how much you you have to pay a person if they work longer than 8 hours or 12 hours or 16 hours or whatever, whatever. So what happens is then is is private enterprise starts lobbying. And if you'll notice, there, there are thousands of lobbyists in Washington, D.C., and at, at your state capital. And they are arguing and, and trying to influence legislators to be kind to their occupation, occupation group. And so what you have is business uh, bribing government. And then government sticking their nose and manipulating and leveraging business, threatening business. If you don't do this, then we're going to do that. If you don't do this, then we're going to do that. 
And then you have lobbyists coming and saying to legislatures, if you don't do this, then we're going to organize a boycott and not vote for you or not contribute to your campaign, right? So there's this huge tug-of-war that's going on. And so right now, the environmentalists are, are winning, and they're winning partly because of foreign governments like Russia and other governments that have a lot of natural resources and want to sell those natural resources. They're being outperformed by the U.S. of A. And one way that they can stop the U.S. of A. is get people inside this country to frown upon drawing oil and natural gas out of the ground and selling it to other countries. Why? They don't care about the quality of life or anything about the United States. All they want to do is make profit on their natural gas and their oil that they're drawing out. So what they do is uh, millions and millions of dollars are given to nonprofits like the Audubon Society, the Sierra Club, and all these a variety of quote-unquote like Greenpeace, all these quote-unquote environmentalist organizations to do what? To lobby and to use scare tactics to freak people out. So today we're sitting in California. Uh, sometimes people call it the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth biggest economy in the world. And uh, we're sitting on huge uh, reservoirs of oil under us and natural gas. But the government of the state of California is forbidding us to draw it out. And forbidding us to farm large acreages, thousands and thousands of acres of wonderful farmland because they want to give the water to fish. So today I'm thankful for that we have utilities. My computer's running. Things are going well. I'm feeling good. I got a hot cup of tea. Life is good over here. But uh, I had a friend who, after serving in the military, retired retired from Beale Air Force Base, uh, serving in the Air Force, uh, he settled here and he had his own small business Then he worked for government as a probation officer. And then he moved a couple different times in and out of the area and worked for all kinds of uh, homeland security, government type businesses. And finally, he got fed up with it about a year or so ago. He and his wife both retired from probation and uh, they just thought we we can't take this anymore. And uh, they sold their house before it even hit the market because there was such a need for housing up here in the North state after the fire in paradise. And um, so they moved to Missouri. And so they listened to the show from Missouri and they've been spreading the word about this podcast, no hostages radio around uh, friends. He's meeting in Missouri and the articles I write for the territorial dispatch, but I got a text uh, from him yesterday and he showed a photo of a gasoline advertisement you know how you drive down the street and the gasoline station, the fueling stations have their prices posted. And it was $2.02 a gallon in Missouri. And I was noticing that depending on the uh, octane you buy and whether you pay cash or debit card and credit card, you know there's all those differences. But you can get yourself working right up close to $4 a gallon. Now, when I left San Francisco the other day, I was flying in from Vietnam, and I noticed in San Francisco that um, the price of fuel was $5 a gallon at some spots in downtown, right in the center of San Francisco, down by AT&T Ballpark. It was $5 a gallon. And so uh, I just want to remind you that it isn't because of, you know, supply and demand would indicate that if you have a, uh, you know, when there's a shortage of supply, then the price goes up. 
if there's an abundance of supply, the price goes down. And so uh, but that's not true in a socialist economy. And so what we have is a socialist economy in California, and that is that the government is managing uh, and curtailing or squinching the supply of fossil fuels. And and plus, they are taxing them. So uh, Walter Williams, the wonderful professor of economics, he's now retired there, Professor Emeritus, they call it. And he always says, if you want to if you want more of something, you su- subsidize it. If you want less of something, you tax it. The state of California now has the highest tax rates and highest amounts of taxes and fees on gasoline of any state in the union. And we've actually worked our way up to getting the highest gas prices per gallon of any state in the union. So if you think, oh, it's just supply and demand, we're short of gas, we're not short of anything. They forbid they forbid people from bringing certain gases, uh, gasoline uh, types into the state uh, during the summer months because we have a special California blend, right? We're not talking about marijuana here. We're talking about gasoline, and it's very expensive, and it's it's only produced in California. So we're just producing. We're creating one regulation after another as a result of fantasy. Just fantasy, fear and fantasy that the uh, the government of the state of California is producing that we keep saying uh, there's a climate crisis. And uh, to me, I just see the climate changing like I've like I've seen for 70 years around here. Just gets cold in the winter. Then it gets nice spring and then it gets really hot some summers and not so hot other summers. And uh, so. uh it just, but what can you do? And pe- when people are in power and they're nutso, uh, that's what you're faced with. Now we have a, we have an opportunity to change that in the state of California, and you got to do it one representative at a time. Now we got a, a super majority of representatives in the state, in the uh, House, or in the Assembly and the Senate that are that are liberals, and that is the reason we're in such a predicament right now because it's continued that way for nearly all of 50 years. Now, we, we can make a change with the governor. I call him creepy uh, because he is kind of creepy. Gavin, creepy Newsom without an E on the end. And uh, we're trying to get a million and a half signatures uh, to merely put it on the ballot. A million and a half signatures does not recall the governor. A million and a half signatures simply uh, gets gives us authorization to put the question on the ballot. Should we recall the governor of the state of California? If we get that on the ballot, then we're able to um, make a choice, yes or no. Yes, we want to recall. No, we don't. If it's a yes vote prevails, then the other people that jumped on the ballot uh, in order to see if they could be the replacement governor uh, you would also get an opportunity to vote for them. So it's a it's a two for one. Yes or no on Newsom. And yes, if you if we end up having to pick a substitute governor. Got it. So here's the deal. If you're in a county in California and you don't know where to sign up, it's very simple to sign up. You just have to be a registered voter. If you think, oh, bummer, I'm not. That's OK. You can still register to vote. Then you can sign the the. Uh, the document. So at the at the places where you sign the petition, they have registrations to vote, 
and you can just fill that out, give it to the folks there that have the petitions. They'll take that, give it to the county clerk. Then you can sign the petition. Now, uh, to find out where those are, if you're in a county that that's not Yuba Sutter, uh, go to this a website. It's R-A-N-A-F, R-A-N-A-F dot org. Very simple. And then you can just scroll down there on where the petitions are. If you can't find a spot in your area, you can download and print off a petition and sign it yourself and uh, submit it that way as well. And I'm sure there's phone numbers if you get totally confused. Pretty simple. In the Yuba Sutter area up here in Northern California, we're up here in conservative rural Northern California. And we're hoping one day to be separate from the state of California into what may be called a place like the state of Jefferson. We're, we're not wanting to leave the union of the United States of America. What we want to do is leave the state of California because we have no representation in the North state um, at the state capitol because we don't have enough representatives because there's sparse population up here. So if you're located in Yuba Sutter area, um, you can uh, go by elite universal security, which is right here in Yuba County, just South of Marysville at five, five, four, eight feather river Boulevard, five, five, four, eight feather Boulevard. And you can sign there. Uh, I think 24 hours a day. They have it. That's a universal uh, universal security is a security business that serves all up and down the North state. And they dispatch out of that location. That's their headquarters. So you could go in there. It, you, they don't have regular work hours because they have dispatchers like the 911 system. They work around the clock. So if you have any questions, you can call them at 530-749-0280. What's really cool is I'll give you blank, uh, certi- blank petitions and you can take them to your neighborhood and you can sign up all your neighbors. Then you could bring the petition back and drop it off. I just dropped off uh, probably eight, nine, ten petitions over there the other day. And uh, just dropped them off, and then they they get them on down to the uh, the state coordinators to be submitted eventually to the Secretary of State of the State of California. Then they'll confirm whether or not those people are really legitimate voters, and see whether we can qualify for the ballot. Okay, so um, all right, let's see where to go from here. We just getting started here. I just got a couple of minutes for this first break, so let me just do something really simple here. And then um, I want oh I wanted to mention this. This is a photo I saw, which is really cool. Albert Einstein is one of maybe one of the most famous scientists in America that people think of when they think of scientists. And uh, I I think of him when I see when I go out to eat or go in public places and I see everybody ignoring each other and just uh, looking at their phone. I see it in church all the time. I attend church and. Uh, a lot of times, instead of uh, paying attention to what's being said, uh, which is usually very important, uh, people are looking at their phone, doing something with it, texting some stupid stuff back and forth. But the most disheartening thing is to see families going out to restaurants and instead of having an interaction with one another and enjoying one another, they are uh, dinging around on their phone. Albert Einstein, this is amazing. I can't, I don't know, I can't quote you the year that this guy died, probably back in the 60s, 70s, something like that. Brilliant, brilliant man. He said, I fear the day that technology will surpass our human interaction. The world will have a generation of idiots. 
I'm going to say that again. I fear the day that technology will surpass our human interaction. The world will have a generation of idiots. If you ever been in a sports bar or something, having dinner with somebody and you watch everybody watching the game or people are just constantly, I've never seen it this, this bad, constantly distracted with looking at tablets, phones, stuff. And it's so sad because I like to just go out and, uh, hang out with somebody, put the phone away, turn it off, whatever, whatever. Even if I'm, uh, you know, I run some 911 type response organizations. I got to stay in contact, but I do not toy around with my phone when I'm with people and, uh, and having a conversation with people, uh, that's disrespectful, but, uh, we have to learn our new etiquette with uh, technology. So I'm going to take a quick break right now, and uh, I'm going to play some impeach Trump uh, clips for you. And I'm just going to take a couple swigs here, and then we'll start right back up, and we'll get into this for the second 20-minute segment. Be right back. At 17, we fell in love, high school sweetheart. Love was so brand new. We took the vows of man and wife forever. He's doing his thing, but if I was president, I'd do what I do. Give a f about nobody else. You mean uh, make America great again? Thank you. Appreciate you. I'm, I'm, I'm never, I'm speechless. Benny Johnson here with Benny on the Block. We are here in hyper liberal, super socialist, absolute commie California to ask the population here, right on the beach, what they think of impeaching Donald Trump. Let's go hear what they have to say. Baby on the block. See? Perfect. Uh, and I'm asking people today whether they believe that Donald Trump should be impeached. Mr. Trump has made some statements that I believe sound reasonable, like enforcing the existing laws on immigration. That made sense. So Mr. Trump may put both feet in his mouth on occasion. He's pretty bombastic, but we're all human, sir. I'm sure I do too now on occasion. So he's got to forgive a brother. Gryffindor! Should President Donald Trump be impeached? No. Why? He's too orange. He's too orange for impeachment. Hell yeah. That's constitutional. That is 100% constitutional. Article 27, Section 8, Section B. If you're too orange, you cannot be impeached. Uh, the founders wrote it. It is so. Do you do hugs? I do do hugs, yes. No. Roger! Roger! Do you think that President Trump should be impeached? Oh, um, no, I don't. You know, I'm optimistic because he is our president that he has the best for our nation at heart. You know, as an American, like, it's, it's our, it's kind of our duty to respect the president. Uh, Sir, do you think that uh, President Donald Trump should be impeached? No, I don't. I don't think he did anything wrong. The libs, they don't say anything about what Biden did. All the fake news channels, CNN, all those, they don't put that out there. You know, they don't, they don't put Biden out there at all. You sound like a Trump supporter in California. I am. Nancy Pelosi, give it up because they're coming after you. I'm coming. Do you think Donald Trump should be impeached? No. And why is that? Uh, I think he's had some positive influence on the country as well. There's ups and downs, but impeachment's a, it's a big action, and uh, I don't think it's necessary. Look at that. Jeez, in California, he's not allowed to wear that in California. Such positivity. I'll say the reason he should not be impeached is because he was legally elected to this presidency by the people of this country. President Trump does have a potty mouth. That is correct. He, does. He, he really does. You think that's an impeachable offense, having a potty mouth? Absolutely not. 
that in the Constitution? No. And I think Nancy Pelosi's wrong in the way she's handling this. And the secrecy that they're doing this, I think it's wrong. Do you believe President Donald Trump should be impeached? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. How about you? I don't believe so. And how about you? Same there. And what do you guys think of Nancy Pelosi? Ah, uh, corrupt. Definitely, definitely yeah. corrupt. I'll you my pretty and your little dog too. I think he's doing great. Uh, he's opened up a lot of jobs for uh, those statistics that he's opened up a lot of jobs for uh, all different races. So people calling him racist. What he's trying to do, he's trying to protect the people of the United States with building the wall, which we need to secure our borders. Should Donald Trump be impeached? Hell no. We've got the best economy in the world. We're in the best country in the world with the strongest military in the world. He's on course to be the best president that ever was. Um, wow. Wasn't actually counting on that. We've been out here for about an hour and spoke with a huge variety of people. Actually had some incredible answers. So maybe you might have some problems here in California, Libs. Who knows? But that's been another episode of Benny on the Block, California edition. Let's go. Jerry Nadler and the Democrat Party are committing treason against this country. And you can kick me out, but he's the one committing crimes. You are, Jerry Nadler. You're the one committing treason. America's done with this. America's sick of the treason committed by the Democrat Party. We're not going to sit here and watch you run an impeachment and remove our vote. We voted for Donald Trump, and they're simply removing him because they don't like him. Committee will come to order. Obviously, I shouldn't have to remind everyone present that the audience is here uh, to observe, but not to demonstrate, not to indicate agreement or disagreement with any witness or with any member of the committee. The audience is here to observe only, and uh, we will maintain decorum in the hearing room. Troyer here from Infowars.com, and I am fresh out of jail after being arrested for my free speech in front of Congress today. Now, folks, I, for one, have had enough. I'm fed up. And to be perfectly honest with you, I knew that that's what I was going to do today when I was in the impeachment hearing, simply because I've been here before and I... I've always had the same regret of not standing up, not doing the right thing, not letting my voice be heard. Most specifically, the last example was during the Roger Stone trial, where a rigged court, a rigged jury, a rigged prosecution, and a rigged judge are now giving an innocent man a life sentence for process crimes that they framed him for. Now, I sat quietly in that courtroom, and I didn't raise a single peep, and I've regretted it to this day. And so I knew when I was in that impeachment hearing today, whether I wanted to or not, whether I planned on it or not, I was going to have an instinct. I was going to have a momentous 
feeling inside of me to stand up and say something. So I planned on doing it the entire time, folks. But this is what it's time for. It's time for more Americans to stand up and do the right thing. It's time for more Americans to peacefully protest and take this country back politically, with citizen activism. Because if Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff and everybody else is above the law and they're allowed to disrupt Congress, but one measly citizen, one tiny little peon, how dare you, you slave citizen, how dare you disrupt the high chamber of a Jerry Nadler who just 20 years ago spoke against impeachment and how it tears the country apart and how it reverses an election. All right. Well, I wanted to mention I I, I, uh, referred to Elite Universal Security about uh, them coordinating. Uh, They're kind of the they aren't the coordinator for you in Sutter County uh, on the recall. Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom, but they are uh, collecting. They are pushing this pretty hard, and they're coordinating this. They also. Uh, Monty Hecker and those folks out there pushed the repeal of the gas tax. You remember that? And um, so Monty's done a great service to the community to help us uh, change the way California is operating. But one of the great things he's done is created a, a business from scratch, got out of the military, started this business up, and he's got a very successful business. They're very busy. They're operating all up into southern Oregon, all the way down to below Sacramento, if you want a job, you can get one from them. If you're interested in becoming a security guard or maybe, I don't know what they still need. They they have mechanics work on their cars. They got all kinds of people. They hire dispatchers, etc., bookkeepers. So you might check with them at 530-749-0280 if you're looking for a job. But, they, you know, if you're up in Chico, Redding, all up and down the valley, uh, Sacramento, you, you could probably hook up with them. And uh, give them a shout and see if you could go to work. They will actually train you. They have classes in their uh, their headquarters here in Yuba County. They also do some online classes. They will prepare you to do the work that you want to do. You could start over there at 18 years of age. Um, they also are providing a headquarters to help you get your uh, licenses to pack a gun, uh, your permits. And so they have uh, permit events coming up on the weekend of December 28th and 29th, and then again on January 11 and 12. And you can uh, go get, you can reclassify, or you can start from scratch. And you, maybe you've got a firearm for Christmas, and you need to go out and get your uh, permits and all that stuff. They're also doing. Um, let's see. On January 3rd, uh, if you're interested in in uh, learning how to use taser, a taser or pepper spray, say you might get some for Christmas, and you think, oh, I need to take a class on this. They'll do a class if they have three or more people on January 3rd, so give them a shout, and they will they will train you and hook you up with all the do's and don'ts. 
These guys are professionals. They know what they're doing. And you might, you know, maybe you're thinking you'd like to go into law enforcement, um, but you're not sure. So you could take a couple of classes without getting too deep in it and heavily invested financially in it. You could take a couple of classes uh, from Elite Universal Security uh, without joining and do a whole semester class out at uh, Yuba College at the Post Academy out there, the Police Academy. So, uh, so anyway, I wanted to, uh, I noticed in the, in the newspaper, and I was at the California Highway Patrol this week doing a briefing for, uh, you know, every once in a while they bring in the officers off duty um, when they're not patrolling, and they'll they'll upgrade training on all the equipment and all the protocols and stuff. So they included trauma intervention program in that training uh, this year. So in November, uh, let's see, in October, November, and in December, we've done one training a month on different groups of highway patrol officers. So when we were over there uh, this week, that, you know, we were, had a little discussion about the CHP officer that was uh, run over by a drunk driver out on Highway 99 at Lomo, what we call Lomo Crossing here. It's an S-curve where a train actually also cuts across there at times. So a couple officers were out there um, on October 19 because the crossing arms to stop traffic from crossing the railroad tracks so they don't get hit by the train the crossing arms did not raise back up. So the guys were out there uh, detouring traffic, helping traffic sort it out of what they're going to do. And a uh, uh, youngster uh, driving drunk uh, ran over, ran through everything, ran over the officer and crashed his car. And then he ran. And so uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, David Gordon. Um, who is still in the hospital and spent 53 days in ICU and just now has been moved, thank God, to his own hospital room. Um, in other words, in ICU, you got all kinds of people on top of you and and uh, desperate shape there. So um, obviously he's, he's making some improvement, but it's taken 53 days. What a huge amount of time. I just want to dedicate the show to David Gordon and the Highway Patrol, who do, do an amazing job, along with other law enforcement. We have uh, we have uh, three police departments, actually four if you count Yuba College has its own police department. We got Wheatland Police, Marysville, Yuba City, and then we have Yuba and Sutter County uh, sheriff's sheriff's offices as well. So we have a lot of law enforcement in the area that do a great job, very dedicated and uh, risk their lives. As you see here, they just think, hey, we're out here just directing traffic and we got run over. Not uncommon for Caltrans workers, firefighters, law enforcement to get run over at the scene because people somehow get tunnel vision or or the moth light syndrome and just they just get distracted when there's something unusual is happening on the highway and run over people. So, uh, okay, so you heard about Monty Hecker. The reason I bring him up, but not only because he does great work in the community, but we're thankful because he supports us and helps us go on the air. It costs money to go on the air. Uh, it, we don't have a lot of staff, but I have a technology expert down in Texas, Tanner, that helps me get this thing going up on uh, the Internet and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it just costs, you know, costs to pay for technology. So uh, Elite Universal Securities helps us do that. I wanted to uh, take some time. A friend of mine, Phil Enright, who's from Australia, 
and he's been trying to immigrate, get immigration status in this country. He's a retired business, uh, successful businessman, uh, actually international businessman, but he loves the United States. And um, he recently married a citizen of the United States, but loves the United States and particularly loves Thomas Jefferson and is a a fan of reading about um, the thoughts of Thomas Jefferson. So he sent me this, uh, why, why the U.S. is so deeply divided. And uh, this portions of this came out of a very liberal newspaper called the L.A. Times. But and it and Phil also wrote, this is the reason that if you remember Lou Dobbs, who's now on Fox News, I always remember watching CNN back in the day when we just had CNN. It was the first 24 hour news channel. Do you remember that? And you think, man, this is amazing. You could just in the middle of the night, you could just turn on and watch the news. And uh, and so anyway, it was Turner Broadcasting, CNN, right? And uh, Ted Turner. Just he was a breakthrough type guy, uh, entrepreneur. And anyway, Lou Dobbs was one of their top guys for years. And then all of a sudden he left. And I wondered, how come he left? So according to Phil, he got canned, cost him his job. So let me read you. This is about California. We're in California. I know some of you Californians are now uh, refugees. Some of you are over in Idaho, Missouri, Port Angeles, Washington, all over the place, you guys, Nevada, Texas, I got friends all over the place that uh, they said we, they didn't all leave California because of the craziness here. Some left because they thought God wanted them to leave and go to another state. However you got there, there you are. So we're communicating with you. But today I want to talk just for a couple more minutes about California here. It says, 40% of all workers, if you wonder why we have problems in California, if, if you're in the middle class and you're paying lots of fees, taxes, every time you turn around, you're probably paying over 100 different fees and taxes every, throughout the month, okay? And so why? It says 40% of all workers in L.A. County. Now, L.A. County, if the representatives in the Assembly and the Senate of the state of California in L.A. County alone vote in one direction and us up here in Northern California, all of us, 20, 24 counties, vote in another direction. We will get outvoted just by L.A. County. I want you to hold that thought. 24 counties gets outvoted by L.A. County. Now think of this. 40% of all workers in L.A. County, 10.2 million people, are working for cash. They're working under the table, folks. And they're not paying any taxes, therefore. This is because they are predominantly illegal, and they're working without a green card. Number two, 95% of warrants for murder in L.A. County are for illegal aliens. 75% of people on the most wanted list in, in Los Angeles are illegals. Number four, two-thirds of all births in L.A. County are to illegal aliens. In fact, I just saw a big article where a lady was arrested for bringing Chinese pregnant women into the United States to have their babies here so they can have an anchor baby. That means the baby has full citizenship, and all she did is drop here versus another country of the world. Uh, over two-thirds of all births in Los Angeles County are to illegal alien Mexicans on Medi-Cal whose births are paid for by taxpayers. Nearly 35% of all inmates in California detention centers are Mexican nationals. They are here illegally. Over 300,000 illegal aliens in Los Angeles County are living in garages. The FBI reports half of all gang members in Los Angeles are most likely illegal aliens from south of the border. 
Nearly 60% of all occupants of HUD, right? That's Ben Carson's operation, HUD. The housing operation for the United States of America. 60% of all occupants of HUD properties are illegal. 21 radio stations in L.A. are Spanish-speaking. In L.A. County, 5.1 million people speak English. 3.9 million speak Spanish. Less than 2% of illegal aliens are picking our crops. You know the old argument, we can't, we can't, we can't get the crops out of the field. Less than 2% of illegal aliens are picking our crops, but 29% are on welfare. Over 70% of the United States' annual population growth and over 90% of California, Florida, and New York population growth is from immigration, people coming in from outside this country, whether it's legal or not. 29% of inmates in federal prison are illegal aliens. Nancy, uh, let's see. So the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, uh, are pushing things like windfall tax on retirement income savings, right? We, she says we need to work toward the goal of equalizing income. It's socialism, folks. Uh, so they're taking income from people that have it and giving it to people that don't have it. It's communism. Nancy Pelosi wants to put a windfall tax on all stock market profits, including retirement fund, 401ks, and mutual funds, all to help 12 million, and some people think it's 20 million, illegal immigrants and other unemployed minorities. Now, the interesting thing is that Trump, under President Trump, in less than four years, we have the lowest rates of unemployment of every minority in the history of the country. It's unbelievable. Just by cutting down the regulations uh, on business, they didn't, they're not giving money away to business. They're just cutting down the regulations, and they did do a tax cut. Uh, let's see. She said, Pelosi says, we need to raise the standard of living of our poor, unemployed, and minorities. The way that Democrats want to do this is just give money away. It's totally uh, a, a waste of money and it it sends the wrong message. For instance, I don't know whether you've been driving around town lately. I don't know how it is over there in, in, uh, in some of those other states that you're living in now, folks. But in California, in, in our area, in Marysville, Yuba City, uh, we are funding homelessness. What do I mean by that? I mean that people can get money from the U.S. government that is that has been given by you and I with our tax dollars, that's our tax dollars. They turn around and then they, you know, instead of you being charitable with your own money, they're going to be charitable with your money and they'll give it in ways that you would, you wouldn't dream of giving it away. So if you're an addict, the first couple of times you use, they may get arrested and, and they'll mess with you to try to get you into rehab. But if you're really obstinate about wanting to be an addict, they'll actually donate to you each month. They'll give you, they'll give you gen, general assistance and if you have a kid, you'll you put on welfare. And California was one of the few states in the union that when under Bill Clinton and a Republican uh, Congress led by Newt Gingrich, they had they reformed the welfare laws to to limit how long people could be on welfare. You couldn't be on it for your entire life. So they put like about a five year limit on it. Plus, 
They put work requirements. Well, in the state of California, we eliminated those work requirements, right? So in other states where all kinds of people got off welfare and went to work and actually made more than they did on welfare eventually, uh, we didn't. And so in some areas, even like up in Wisconsin and Minnesota, they had like 60, 70 percent reduction in welfare. We didn't. And um, so that's why we have this tremendous problem in the state of California. We're actually funding people living in the river bottoms. Um, so you wonder why why don't why don't they get desperate? You know, you always think that they think like you if you live in a house. They don't think like you. They don't think like you at all. And uh, they're not wanting to get on the track that you're on of responsibility and, and stability and all that kind of stuff. Now, if people weren't getting any money from the federal or state government and they were and and they had to hustle to live in the river bottoms, they might decide this is too hard and I'm going into a rehab or I'm going to get off the street and go into transitional living or the rescue mission or change my life. So uh, but that's what's going on here. We're, we're looking at a government now that's that that uh, just, here's the tipping point. When you have uh, passed a certain amount of people that are working for the government, they vote to sustain their benefits from the government. And so they will vote against any reform. That's why they that's why what we have is called the deep state. Why is it deep? It's not deep like you can't find it. It's deep because there's so many of them. <laughs> there's so many of them. When you surpass about 40% of the voting population is employed by the state, federal or county government, uh you just became socialist. Because they are they are going to vote their way always. I had a uh, administrator this last week. I was talking to he's retired, and uh, we were talking about different things that that we were both involved in in, in the city of Yuba City. And uh, he happened to make a comment along the way as I was telling him about people complaining about, you know, the city not giving them their raises like they should because it was a downturn in the economy and blaming everybody about it. And, and he was saying, you know, Lou, government takes very good care of its own. And that's the truth. So when you have that's why uh, people, even liberals like Franklin Delano Roosevelt, never believed that that uh, government employees should ever be unionized because they 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 serve at the pleasure of the citizens. And they otherwise what you can essentially have is a takeover of the entire government by government employees that unionize and uh and her, like I had a friend that works for the federal government, and she was made a comment on Facebook the other day how excited she was to get paid for getting off Christmas Eve. And I thought, well, OK, but uh, how about none of us out in the private sector get paid uh, to get Christmas Eve off? So it's just one more thing, one more holiday, one more Friday, another Thursday, another Wednesday. That, that government employees get off, and it just breaks the it just breaks the economy. It's an unfair uh, deal because the taxpayers don't get. To, did you get to vote on giving federal uh, a federal holiday to uh, folks on Christmas Eve? No, you didn't vote on that. Why? Because it's an incestuous relationship between politicians and the union, right? You voted the politicians. You thought you voted the politicians to represent you. But they're in there kissing up to the employees because they help them. There's so many of them that they help them get elected. It's just like, you know, it's so crazy. Like in the city of Marysville, 
I, I have no idea how many there were in, in excess of 50 employees in the city of Marysville, right? There's probably up close to 70 now. I don't know. It doesn't. My point is that nearly hardly any of them live in the city of Marysville. Do you know that? So you have people that come in the city of Marysville to benefit from the city of Marysville, but don't don't do any spending in here. They don't vote in here. They don't have any skin in the game. They just come in here and work and leave. Right. That's how it works in a lot of places. A lot of a lot of government employees do that. They don't they won't even live. In fact, a lot of firefighters and cops will live in another community and and commute in for their work. It, it's I, I, I can see some of the reasons for it, but the fact is uh, it hurts the community. It hurts the community they live in. So uh, the the fact is that, uh, like I in, mentioned earlier, with lower taxes, the Trump administration has produced the lowest levels of African-American and Hispanic unemployment in many, many decades. Uh, so I want you to think about uh, – Actually, I think I was a freshman in high school. Or maybe I think I was a freshman when John F. Kennedy uh, was killed, assassinated. But if you read or listen to any of his speeches or his comments, he would be a Trump supporter right now. Uh, he was very conservative and in in terms of taxes, cutting taxes. Um, he did not like the deep state and. uh he believed people – anyway, you should just read. I have too much to talk about today, so I'm not going to get dwelled on John F. Kennedy, but you should read his stuff. He was the darling of the Democrats, and today he wouldn't even fit into the Democrat uniform. So we're going to take a break. It's our second uh, segment done, and we're going to uh, – this is a, a fiery exchange between the direct, the former director of the ICE organization and uh, – some of the Democrats. Be right back. Ain't it funny I'm a world keeps spinning. Sometimes you get me so silly. Know just how to make me laugh. Say your skin is so lovely. You move me when you touch me. I know that you got my back. Mr. Holman. You work for me. I'm a taxpayer. I'm a taxpayer. You work for me. Is there anything you'd like to respond to what you've heard today? Yeah, I'd like to respond to Acting Chairman Jay Paul and your comment about the Trump administration moving money around for more detention beds. I'd like to remind you, under the Obama administration, we did that most of the years he was president. We moved money around DHS. It's called reprogramming. We did that under the Obama administration. I didn't. I don't remember any hearings on that. And also, I'd like to remind you that that under the Obama administration, I mean, you're quick to point out the the cages were built under Obama administration. I was there. Family detention. We had 100 family beds under Obama administration. We built 3,000 more. So when there was a surge in FY14 and FY15 on the border, Congress was quick to give all the money we needed to build detention facilities, get transportation contracts. We reprogrammed money out of the majority of the years he was president. That was fine. Under Obama administration, FY12, we removed 409,000 people, half of what was removed last year. There was no hearings on that. So I, I, you know, this is about transparency. Let's be let's be factual about it. 
the time of the gentleman has expired. Since you did address some comments at me, I'll just say that I didn't like it under the Obama administration either. In fact, well, be honest, with American people, you, you can't point out faults in the Trump administration when it happened Mr. under the Obama administration. That's dishonesty. It's pathetic and it's sad. Mr. Holman, I control the time and I am the chairwoman of the committee. Thank you for respecting that. Um, I didn't like it under the Obama administration, and I'll remind you, Mr. Holman, that you also testified before Congress in support of the Obama's priorities enforcement program before the Senate Judiciary Committee on May 19, 2016, which had a very different approach. Well, can, that, I respond, can I respond that, to that? that? Can I respond I re to that? No. Of course not. not. Look, you want to know why there's 50,000 people in detention? You want to know why we have a million, million, one million illegal entries in the United States? You want to know why we have these issues? Because you have failed to secure the border. You have failed to work with this president to close the three loopholes we've asked for two years to close. So if you want to know why this issue expired. exists, you need to look in the mirror. You, need, the you have failed American expired. people who are not Holman. securing the border and closing loopholes. Mr. Holman, look, please respect the chair and the authority you know, of the chair the have, time of the gentleman has expired i've asked you politely to let me go beyond my my time and you let other people go beyond their time but not, not to tom Holman. he don't get me go beyond have, his time mr Holman. we have this, this approved is a, this is, this is an agreement between the republicans and the democrats with the ranking member we increased the time of one witness at uh, one uh, member of congress who was interrupted by a protest that is done with the approval of the ranking member please respect the chair's authority the gentleman, I respect the chair's the authority but the chair mr holman the, the, you work for me. me i'm a taxpayer i'm a taxpayer you work for me the witness will suspend What is happening to the identity of America? Police in riot gear facing off. We're seeing violent demonstrations. Five officers were killed. Our leaders are running it into the ground with their liberal ethics and political agendas. 44% would prefer to live under a socialist system. I'm the boss. That's How about that? It is called the beast or the train of death. Well, guess what? First thing I do is going to repeal this Trump tax cut. Family values are being eroded. The unborn are sacrificed. Morals are low and taxes are high. Our leaders in Congress have failed us time and time again. America is not just a country. It's a legacy built on a foundation of hope and truth, a beacon to the world. Millions want to come here. Even more wish they could be like us. If we lose our identity, how will the world learn from our greatness? Is there any hope? Can we trust anyone? We need a new generation of leaders. Leaders who don't seek a career, but are willing to sacrifice their careers to fight for what is right. Leaders like Sean Foyt. Sean doesn't look like the average politician because he's not. A man of faith, a man of mission, a man of character and integrity. Not driven by ego, but purpose. A man who knows what feeding the hungry, protecting the vulnerable, and fighting for one's beliefs is all about. A man with a guitar and a purpose. A father with a loving heart. A leader with track record. Sean is taking a stand. A stand millions like you and I need to take if we are determined to better the future for our children and grandchildren. He is known and loved by millions for his music and missions. Now, he is willing to sacrifice his calling for a greater one to restore the identity, values, and morals of this great nation. 
How do I know this? I'm his wife and the mother of his four children. As a family, we are committed to this race. For us, our children, and our future. I'm not going to sit back and watch and wait. It's time for my generation to step forward and join the fight for America. Stand with me and let's take action and become the solution. I'm Sean Foyt and I'm running for Congress. You know, if there, so many people just have such a hatred of Donald Trump, um, and they've just picked and chosen their uh, their area that bugs them, whether it's just color of his skin, his hair. Of course, you you could never do this with Obama; you'd be called a racist. Uh, criticize his wife, his kid. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous, and um, no one could even mention the name of Obama's kids. People would have a total meltdown. People are very gracious with Obama. They cut him a lot of slack because he just wasn't a he just wasn't a man. I mean, he just he had he had nothing going for him. I I didn't know you know just to look at his uh, body. You know, just like I, actually his wife looked more like a man, his, her figure than his. I mean, just like like a pussy. You know. And so people had to cut him a lot of slack because he, he was just so overly sensitive about everything, right? He, he, he couldn't, he'd have to go outside and have smoke all the time. Anyway, uh, it's interesting in any, whether you have people taking over a business that failed or whatever, it's interesting. I, I always get a kick out of watching things change when different people run things, whether it's a switch in a church leadership or business or school. I remember when Mary Kovalod School, it was considered one of the armpit schools of Yuba County. And when Doug Eshman took over in the early 2000s, um, Doug just immediately turned that entire school around to not only was it uh, a school that was full of excuses because of how how lousy they performed, but Doug uh, began to get statewide awards for high performance, the kids high performance. And uh, there was and he had a book that he, I gave him actually uh it was 21 high performing schools it was called no excuses 21 high performing schools in high bo- poverty areas and it was a little short book with just uh in the testimonials of 21 different schools and how they took very difficult situations and they moved to the top and Doug did did just that not not because I gave him the book but because of the person he was the person he is, and uh, and just uh, he built himself a, a world-class group of teachers that all believed in what he believed in and believed that every kid could learn, and they weren't taking no excuses for it and did really good. So when you have Trump take over the White House, you think, oh, well, uh, how do they do it? How do they run the White House then versus how, do, how does the Obamas run the White House? And uh, there's people that keep track of these things. And so, uh, oh, let's see, Open Books. I'll get the correct title here in a minute. It's called 
open books something and they they keep research on well how many employees and how much do they make it's kind of like transparent california but at the at the federal level and um so it says that uh, the, trump's white house payroll has 418 employees that's 36 fewer staffers than barack obama 36 people payroll less uh, at the same point in their presidencies, there was thir- a 26% turnover in the key top paid assistants of the president from last year. You know, some people think that's a bad deal. I think keeping people who are pain in the rear is a bad deal. I-, I think keeping the same people on staff can be good and can be bad. If they're undercutting you, if they're dishonest, if they're disloyal and you keep them because you think you have to, it's going to look bad if you fire them. I think that's really bad. I'm into firing people that aren't performing at a good level. Um, So it says across the entire staff of Trump, uh, there was a 36 percent turnover and it fits in with his his show, The Apprentice. Right. He just said, you're fired. Right. You're out of here and put in it. In other words, it's the same thing they do in baseball. When the pitcher can't throw a strike, they pull him out, put in somebody that can throw a strike, right? That's the kind of business I want to run. Somebody can throw strikes and get hitters out. So during the president's first three years, Trump saved the taxpayer $19.8 million just in three years, just off his little south, list his little group that works for him, $20 million less in, in payroll. Uh, Melania Trump, who she can't catch one break with the media. Have you noticed that she's drop dead gorgeous. She's kind. She's polite. She's courteous. She doesn't do stupid stuff. And, um, she's not shooting off her mouth. Like, uh, uh, Michelle Obama was to talking about, oh, she was raised with a silver spoon in her mouth, got a courtesy job at some hospital, got paid $300,000 a year. Everybody's kissing her big rear. And Melania Trump just comes in. She made her own career, right? She didn't need to do it on color. Not not a affirmative action type jobs. Uh, so Melania Trump comes in and she hires 12 people to help her. Michelle Obama used 24. That's just a difference in people, right? It happens in business, happens in churches, happens everywhere. It's just like how people operate, right? How efficiently they operate. And so also, if you'll remember, um, let's see. Trump has added some more employees, but the bottom line is up to this point, they've saved the taxpayer $20 million. A lot of you hate Trump so bad, he could do it all for free. You'd still want to shoot him in the side of the head. So uh, I was looking for this one other indicator that I thought was very fascinating, but um, I can't find it. So this comment, I think, is a great comment. Trump's White House payroll has been a leading indicator of the commitment to do more with less. I like that. I like to do more with less, whatever I do. Uh, Trump issued and in his first few weeks of presidency, I don't know if you remember this, he issued an order mandating an executive hiring freeze. In other words, hey, we want people in the trenches doing the work. What's up with all these executives running around and meeting after meeting after meeting and don't do really anything? So his goal was to seek the efficient use of existing personnel. Now there's a, I wanted to show this and people just mock this because he's got a lot of money. No, nobody gives anybody the credit, you know, when a billionaire uh, stops what he's doing and gives up a lot of the profit where he's not focused on building and wheeling and dealing. Right. 
but comes and and not only that, but says, I'm not going to take my salary. Well, because of the uh, the rules of being a president, you have to take your salary. Right. So he's turning around and donating. it. I know that you would do the same thing if you had the money. Right. The only reason you're not donating more money is you don't have a billion dollars. I know I've heard this before in church. People say, oh, well, if I had the kind of money you have, I'd, I'd tithe. Uh, people forget the fact that it was a widow's might. You got to read the Bible. The widow's might was a widow who gave all that she had, right? So during his time in office, the president has donated a portion, a quarterly portions of his $400,000 salary. These are the places he's donated it. The National Park Service for all you environmentalists, Small Business Administration, Department of the Interior for all you environmentalists, Department of Transportation, Department of Education, Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Veterans Affairs, thank you, Jesus, and National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, as well as some other agencies. So bottom line is, throughout government, Trump is trying to cut the size of government. Thank God. Government is just a sucking sound, just devouring our assets in this country instead of keeping them in our pocket. It reminds me of the $10,000 a day that the county of Yuba is taking out of the pockets of residents in Yuba County because they passed an illegal sales tax called Measure K. And not only that, but they added they added insult to injury when they lost uh, their case in court when the opponents of Measure K said, you can't pass this tax with just a, a majority, a simple majority. You have to have a two-thirds vote when of the majority. And so they took him to court. Stephen Barrier, Superior Court Judge of the uh, County of Yuba, said, you are right. This this tax is illegal. They misrepresented it. You the taxes is a, a faulty tax. But unfortunately, in the state of California, you can rip the pe- taxpayer off, charge the tax. And until the uh, county stops appealing it, they get to collect the tax and spend the tax. Now, is that is that that's criminal, people? We got people in Yuba County Jail doing time for a lot less uh, criminal acts than what what's been going on here. And we're going to from what the attorneys say that it's literally going to be a portion of another year, a good portion of another year before we ever get to the appeal court to be heard and get this thing stopped once it's appealed. And it's it's heard at the appellate court, and and they make a decision. They could still appeal it to the Supreme Court of the state of California. You know that it's unbelievable. And they could get ten thousand dollars a day or more. That's how much tax is being taken out out of our what we used to be able to spend that money and go to the movies, buy clothes, take a vacation, buy a car, do whatever we want, go, pay our kids to go to college, and instead the county of Yuba is taking that money. And uh, and spending it after they've misspent the money they already have, so that's what this is hap- That's what this is all about with President Trump is to s- curb the size of government. In other words, that all these big big, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember these bureaucrats at EPA, the Interior Department. All these people were so incensed because they knew Hillary Clinton was going to win. So they said they started like strutting the stuff, sticking their chest out, and getting all full of testosterone, even the women. And they said, you know, if Donald Trump wins, we're leaving. We're quitting. Well, he did win, right? And so uh, some of them did quit. They just got all indignant and quit. And thank God, because they didn't replace him. 
they just said, we want we want as many as possible to quit. So any of you people out there working for the federal government, Caltrans, just go ahead and quit. Get all pissed off and quit. And and I hope when if Trump wins again and that you get so discouraged. Uh, I think Lady, uh, who was it that uh, somebody just moved to Portugal? It wasn't Lady Gaga. Uh, I, I can visualize her, but I can't think of her name. I got a brain freeze here. She moved to Portugal. And I thought, well, God, thank you, Jesus. I hope hundreds more do. A lot of prom- a lot of those Hollywood people promised they were going to leave if if they didn't get their way. You know, it's interesting to me. All of us that didn't vote for Obama, no one left. We just we just supported the president whenever we could. Prayed for the president. Hope he'd do right. We're dismayed when he did stupid stuff, weird stuff, perverted stuff, illegal stuff, lied, cheated. Ripped people off, got people killed. We just kept hung in there, right? Didn't riot in the streets, didn't break out windows to get a pair of new tennis shoes and a bottle of vodka. We just hung in there and uh, kept our mouth shut and just said, hey, he's the president, so we're just going to have to hang, right? And oh, no, man, now we got Trump. It's like, we're not hanging. We're going to take this dude down, right? I'm just shocked that they haven't shot him. Why don't you just go shoot him and get it over with? Some of you people that are all so tough and everything, just go shoot the president and then we'll sort it out from there. Or I think, why don't you just take it to the streets? Let's just do a violent thing and get, get rid of all this stuff of like, you know, mamby pamby bunch of pussies back there in Washington. Are you sick of these people? I'm sick of the Republicans and I'm sick of the Democrats. I'm sick of all of them for three years. All they've done is argue Right. I'm just sick of it is why do we we're paying them like a couple hundred thousand a year for this. It's nuts. It's totally nuts. It's just totally nuts. Okay, so. um, All right. Where are we going here? Um, Leaner White House. We got six minutes. Let's see. Halfway through. Okay, let me I'm going to go up here. I'm going to do a little advertisement from my friend Dave Greenitz. Man, I I tell you what, he showed this bathroom the other day. It was a it was a kitchen. He showed a bathroom and a kitchen, and I thought that's a funky looking bathroom there, or that's a really gnarly old depressed looking kitchen. And what those guys did to it, I thought, how did they get? It looks bigger. How did they get that out of that deal? They just remodeled that deal. They relaid out everything, moved stuff around, opened it up, put in windows, added lighting, changed the. Changed everything about that place. I thought, whoa, those people must be stoked at that the job they did on it. So uh, if you missed the, the, the uh, theater that uh, Dave Greenitz and his wife, they put on this Creative Light Theater. He does all the sets and she does everything else. Well, she works on the sets as well. She's an artist, but Leslie. It was a great theater. It was a great show. And, and more people attend the theaters at Glad Tidings than any other theater in fact, I think more people attend the Glad Tidings Theaters at Creative Light Theater at Glad Tidings Campus than all the other theaters put together. I'm not saying they're better than them. I'm just saying they're good. They're really good. And they're they're equal to anything else you're going to see in the community. Or sometimes driving down to Sacramento and paying for a $50 ticket, right? And you get to see it up close and personal. And you, actually, you might know some of the people. Anyway... The way that they're able to do all these volunteer things like Creative Light Theater is that Dave has created this amazing construction company called Greenitz Construction. And you can look it up at greenitzconstruction.com, green with E-T-Z. And uh, 
if you like want to dream, maybe you're just a young couple starting out and you got into, into your home and you got a cheapo home fixer upper and you think, wow, one of these days, this is what I want to do. Well, you can go on their website at greenitzconstruction.com or Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page. And you can see the before and afters of what these guys can pull off. It's amazing. So uh, I, I think if I did that to my house, I might just sell it and make a lot of money on it. And it would it, I feel like it's too fancy for me to live in. I, I live in an old house. And uh, so, so anyway, I won't get into that. But anyway, Dave Green is construction. And so if you want to check it out, you can... You can just nose around. You don't even have to call them up. You don't have to do a face-to-face. You don't have to get a live person on the phone if you're intimidated. You can just nose around, check it out, uh, ask people about them, and uh, you could probably even go see some for yourself personal. You could go into some of those houses, but you can see it easy. And I I know the people who prepare these uh, photos and get it all together and get them on the websites and on Facebook. And they're, none of it's Photoshop. None of it's coming off some internet site. It's all stuff done here in the Yuba Sutter area. It's pretty amazing. And then you can shoot them an email and say, Hey, I want to talk to you about, a, I want to redo my entry. I want to put on a deck. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to, and the other thing that you can't see, but will save you a lot of money. If you haven't got one is a, was a uh, whole house fan, which will suck the hot air out of your place. I'm telling you, I just opened my PG&E bill up. I haven't paid it, but I noticed there's an insert in the Pacific Gas and Electric bill. The rates are going up. Does that surprise you with all this talk of them going broke? The ra- I'm telling you, people, you better learn how to not use utilities or you better prepare yourself with solar, one of these rinky-dink solar systems on the on the roof or uh, a whole house fan could could eliminate their use of electricity uh, during the kind of the days when it's kind of hot, but not so hot. You could just get the fans going on inside and suck the hot air out of the attic. That's what whole house fans are about. So check it out. Uh, let me see if I can shoot you a number for Dave if you actually need one. Uh, let's see. It's here somewhere. I'm, about, I'm moving down to it. Five three zero six eight two nine six zero two five three zero six eight two nine six zero two. Also, I got a couple of minutes, so I don't want to get into a whole topic here. I want to uh, mention uh, I've been playing some the American Way clips on the paper on the, uh, the breaks here, and that's a Macaulay family, and the Macaulays are the kids, teenagers, and dad. Uh, have an organization called Institute on the Constitution, and they go around the United States teaching people about the Constitution. Why would we have to do that? Well, the the our our uh, school system in the United States, being run by socialists and communists, uh, have eliminated the Constitution from the schooling. So kids are, don't have a clue what the Constitution, what their rights are. So Jake and and Dominic and the others, uh, Macaulays. Uh, they created the Institute on the Constitution, and they actually can teach you. Like if you're a homeschooler and stuff, you'll know more. I'm going to give I'm going to give you four different ways that you can learn easily more on the Constitution just by sitting in your home, watching on your computer, than any kid in college can. You'll outdo the college students. So in, you can go to instituteontheconstitution.com. 
You can go to the AmericanView.com. That's a part of the Macaulay operation as well. Those are videos. And then you can go to Chris Ann Hall. That's K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E Hall, H-A-L-L.com. Chris Ann Hall used to be an attorney for the state of Florida until they were so liberal. She got sideways with them and she felt God calling her to teach on the Constitution. So she has a school on the Constitution as well online. And then Hillsdale.edu. It's a college in Michigan. It's one of the top colleges in the country. If you're thinking about where to send your kids, please do not send your kid to some liberal college that's going to teach him about zombies and give him a degree in it. Uh, Hillsdale College is going to teach your kids about ethics, about morality, about how this country got started, and a, and a big bunch about the Constitution. They're going to walk out knowing more than you do about the, the nation that, that you birthed them in. Hillsdale College it's called Hillsdale, H-I-L-L-S-D-A-L-E dot E-D-U. You can learn all this online. You don't have to sit in a classroom. You can make donations to them. You do not have to spend thousands of dollars on tuition, and your kid will be smarter than the people going to college. I'm telling you, you, you a lot of you are spending to the nose and I'm going to cover some crazy classes that are being taught at college that you're paying for, and you're absolutely nuts. You're just, I would not send my kid to college today the way I did many, many years ago. Of course, things have changed a lot since then, but things, things ain't what you think they are, right? All right, we're going to have a, a break here. This is the end of our third segment, and... Uh, so this is Jake McCauley, and he's saying, is teaching the Christian heritage of America dangerous? All right, we'll be right back. I grew up thinking I had it made, gonna make it on my own. Life can take the strongest man, make him feel so alone. Now sometimes I feel a cold wind blowing through my aching the next generation with the biblical American view of law and government. Have you ever asked that question? Well, during my travels for Institute on the Constitution, I am almost regularly sharing in public education institutions. The general question people ask is, how are you getting into the public schools? My response is, I'm normally invited by a teacher, or a school board member, or a parent, or a donor, or an administrator. So I start by arriving, opening the door, and walking in. It's not complex, but it does come with the occasional challenge. Now, I've never been asked to stop my presentations. I've never been kicked out of a school. The response has always been exceptionally positive for both teachers and students. The challenge is when people are afraid they may get in trouble for referencing the Christian foundations in America. The tragedy, of course, is there should be no challenge at all to teach the original intent of our founders, which happens to include the biblical underpinnings of American law and constitutional governments. Noah Webster, named the schoolmaster of America, who authored scores of school textbooks, including the famous dictionary that bears his name, asserted, The Christian religion is the most important and one of the first things that children under a free government ought to be instructed. Webster again declared, the moral principles and precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all our civil constitutions and laws. 
All of the miseries and evils which men suffer from, vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from the despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. Signer of the Declaration and President of Princeton University, John Witherspoon, declared, Whosoever is an avowed enemy of God, I hesitate not to call him an enemy to his country. Now, the father of America, George Washington, concluded his first presidential inauguration with the following exhortation. It would be peculiarly improper to omit in this first official act my fervent supplications to that almighty being who rules over the universe. No people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people of the United States. Every step by which they have advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been distinguished by some token of providential agency. In fact, it was Delaware, the first state in our union that mandated every person appointed to any office shall subscribe, I profess faith in God the Father and Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Ghost. One God, blessed forevermore, and I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. Pennsylvania, a home to our first Congress, was operating under its 1776 Constitution, signed by Ben Franklin, which stated, Each member, before he takes his seat, shall subscribe, I do believe in one God, the creator and governor of the universe, the rewarder of the good and the punisher of the wicked, and I do acknowledge the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. Written in numerous letters and legal documents, we find the source of American liberty is unequivocally the God of the Bible. Shouldn't we teach, encourage, and celebrate it? We must conclude, if teaching this is dangerous or wrong, then our detractors must believe that our history and our heritage of liberty is dangerous. And that is un-American. This is Jake McCauley. And Dominic McCauley. With the Institute on the Constitution, bringing you The American View. I noticed that the local, you know, the local governments here have been wrestling with homelessness and um, they've been trying to deal with a, I think it's a federal judge, his, his opinion or his ruling in over in the Idaho area saying that if you, if you don't provide <clears throat> housing for homeless, then you can't force them off of public lands. Okay. And uh, I am I'm not in favor of that. And um, I think it's uh, has all kinds of unintended consequences combined with the welfare system and general relief system and food stamp system that is funding drug addiction. So I think we're giving people in the name of humanitarianism, we're giving them a life sentence to be addicted, uh, killed. There's all kinds of murders, rapes going on. I just met with a gal that had been uh Gang raped over a period of days. Uh, she was in the Yuba County Jail, but she had been living in the river bottoms and was held hostage. And she said, Lou, it is, it's, it's gnarly in the river bottoms. And she'd been down there on and off for six years. And now we got her out of the river bottoms. So this recent ruling by the Supreme Court, we kind of hoped that, that uh, the Supreme Court would say this is baloney. 
people need to make hard right decisions and and just and they're taking personal responsibility totally out of this. So the Supreme Court refused to hear the uh, the case regarding uh, the rightness or wrongness of the idea that you can't enforce any ordinances against homeless people unless you provide them an answer to all their ills. And the fact is, here's the really sad fact. There is an answer for every one of their ills, but when people refuse the solution, basically society is screwed. And now what we have is uh, people are just creating chaos and anarchy in parts of our society. I, I, I just wrote an article uh, called Panda Express in the Territorial Dispatch, and I wrote about, I took a, a lady that I'm just talking to you about uh, from jail, and or no, a gal from Juvenile Hall that was recently released, and she was hungry, and uh, so I said, well, let's go, that restaurant would happen to be open, Panda Express. So walking into Panda Express, there were two guys that were homeless, begging at the front, and then right outside the window was a guy that was sleeping uh, right against the, the uh, plate glass window, right against where you sit. And that's the kind of situation we have now where you put, I don't know how much it costs to put in a Panda Express or a, a small sandwich shop or whatever. You put a hundred grand into it, setting it up and hire employees and pay all the stupid rules and insurances and fees to the county and the city. And then you have to, there's no enforcement and people can just come and uh, shit right outside your door, pee on the glass Vomit. Uh, I've had I've had people vomit right by my house here, and it had to have the fire department come and pick them up. The fire department left the vomit on the on the street or on the sidewalk. I had to go out and wash it myself. No problem. I got it. Uh, but I'm you know I'm, it's interesting. We pay for all these services, then you got to go do stuff yourself. So, but the fact is now that the Supreme Court has refused to entertain this case and basically says. Uh, that we're punishing the homeless. And, and you know, what this is is kind of like saying uh, when you rip a child out of a mother's womb with forceps, that's called a planned, preg- preg- a planned parenthood, right? Planned pregnancy or unplanned or undoing a pregnancy or terminating a, uh, terminating a pregnancy, right? We use all these terms as opposed to killing somebody. Like I could kill my neighbor and say, well, I just, I just, uh, I terminated my relationship with him. That's all I did. I didn't really kill him. I terminated my relationship with my neighbor, right? So now we have punishing the homeless. What we're doing right now by allowing people to live however they want is they're out of their minds. Then we call them after they're out of their minds on drugs, we call them mentally ill. Now it's a mental problem. We need more mental hospitals as, as opposed to address the issue and say, you can't, you, you can't live down here, period. And, uh, and when they commit a crime, arrest them and get them into a drug rehab. Now states that are doing that and they're doing it very well are having great success by arresting people for petty issues and then convincing them once they're sober in jail to go into a rehab and save their life. And it's been very successful. Well, we would rather in California give people money, make excuses why they can live anywhere they want. And they can turn down rehabs. They can turn down 
housing. They can turn down all kinds of stuff. Nobody's going to hire these people looking filthy, out of their minds, and under the influence. Nobody is going to hire them, not even the government. And so unless you can get them their head straight and get them into jail, and like my friend Dr. Cassidy used to tell inmates as, as he would have to medically clear them to come into jail, uh, he would say, you didn't get arrested, you got rescued. So we need to take a different perspective on law enforcement. They're rescuing people. When we arrest people that are drug addicts I don't, or alcoholics that are driving drunk, yeah, you're arresting them, but you're rescuing those people because they could kill themselves and kill other people. I get a clue what's going on here. So people say, oh, they're just, you know, they just had a bad break. It was the housing bubble in 2007. You're full of crap. You're just totally full of crap. It wasn't a housing bubble in 2007. They're doing drugs down there, and they're doing alcohol, and they're stabbing each other, beating each other to death with, with limbs, throwing hatchets at each other, stabbing each other, right, poisoning each other. It's just, it's gnarly. And you don't know because you don't know, right? It's just, you're stupid. So that's what we're faced with, and I'm sad that the, the uh, Supreme Court decided that, but it's going to take some... some uh, some gutsy uh, community leaders to put the hammer down on these people. and uh, But I'll tell you, I'm meeting people in Yuba County Jail. I can't speak for Sutter, but I'm sure it's the same. Uh, Yuba County Jail, that we're saving lives in there because we're getting people in there they're, they're, they're not using in jail. And, uh, and I get tired of people, oh, well, they can just use in jail. Well, yeah, there's contraband come in jail, but not everybody uses. Get a clue. You don't know what you're talking about. People just talk. St- they just make up stuff and just talk trash out in the community. I get people all the time. They're, they're, they're wanting to have a relationship with their kids again. They don't want to do what they're doing because they're sober and they're not all screwed up in the head anymore. So here's a, here's a deal that's screwed up in the head. I just thought, you know, I, you wonder how, how things get started. I always wondered, how did the city of Marysville ever end up owning a golf course, right? How did the city of Marysville end up buying five acres of property and ended up owing $17 million for five acres of gravel along a railroad track of all the horrible places you don't want to put any housing is right along a railroad track. And they own $17 million because these bright people who never did any real estate in their entire life thought they were going to make a lot of money for the city of Marysville and go into risky housing development or, you know, real estate development. And they were they just had stupid written all over them, right? And, and now we're screwed in the city of Marysville. For 25 years, we'll be making payments of over $600,000 a year for nothing. We got a piece of crap property that's not even worth... Two and a half million, two million dollars at most, and we're paying seventeen million dollars for it, folks. That's what your government does when it gets out of the line of just like, let's see, just go in there and just cut all the regulations. Like this is what our Marysville City Council does. They go in there and a number of years ago. They said, "Oh, we need new signing ordinance, sign ordinance, right? Right? You go in, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to start a business, and then they're going to tell you how to design your sign." and the colors it has to be and how big it's going to be and whether it has can have a light on it or what and can't or you can't have a flag hanging from your business or whatever 20 pages of rules on how to have on on signs right no wonder nobody wants to come and do a business 
So they have a so the city of Marysville ends up with Plumas Lake Golf Course, right? And so there's a club out there, the the golf course club that leases all the property, right? And runs a golf course. Well, I guess I'm not a golfer. I, I love golf courses because they're pretty. I appreciate landscaping. And I always loved Plumas Lake Golf Course and Peachtree. I think they're very beautiful places. But I don't have to pay for it, or I didn't think I had to pay for it. But now I realize that City of Marysville has been subsidizing the golf course for all these years because the golf course club can't cover the costs of running the golf course. And I think it's the same with the Gold Sox Baseball Park. They aren't covering the cost of that entire baseball facility so taxpayers, all we want, help me out, taxpayers. All I want is police and fire, right? And, like, figure out the sewage and the streets and, like, forget everything else, right? Just forget everything else, all the foo I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to subsidize parades for a demon, celebrating a demon. I don't want to, I don't want to subsidize Santa Claus, Hey, if if the if 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 the people want to go down there and celebrate that, are cool, and they want to fund that, hallelujah to you. It's America. I'm into subsidizing a veterans parade, right? Because they protect us, right? But all these other things, peach the peach festival, great. That's a great deal. I just participated in the stroll over in Yuba City. We had a booth over there. We paid for the booth. I assume that the costs of putting up all those booths and stuff and having the food trucks, it covered the costs. I hope it did. I hope that we're not subsidizing those type of things. Why do I have to subsidize my tax dollars? Be, it's like five city council people, three of them vote yes to fund, uh, to support honoring a demon. And I got to support that because I just got to go along because they think it's a good idea, and they don't know their butt from a hole in the ground when it comes from demons for Bacchae, right? So now we got the city of Marysville's wanting to sell that golf course because, you know, the thing is, uh, one of the things you do when you start to go broke, you sell off stuff. You have yard sales. You sell all your assets. You sell the extra house. You sell your tools. You sell this. You sell that because you can't fund your own government. Marysville can't fund itself, even with this 1% extra sales tax. They can't even, you can't keep things going over there, right? They're raising, they're already spending money through the roof. So now they're going to sell the golf course because that's sucking money. Bill Simmons says that the course needs to be a hundred percent self-sufficient. I'm on that page. Bill Simmons and I have, don't always end up on the same page, but Bill Simmons and I are on this one. I think anything that the city does that should support itself, otherwise they shouldn't give any money to it. Besides doing police and fire and taking care of the streets and the sewage, otherwise forget everything else. I don't need a lot of razzle-dazzle, foo-for-all. Get somebody else to pay for it. So uh, so anyway, now we got the Yuba County is going to come in and they're going to buy this golf course and they're going to make it profitable, I guess. I don't know what they're going to do with it. So, But that they're going to make a pitch and I just think, you know, I, somebody said to me the other day that used to live in Marysville. They moved from Marysville because of the craziness with the sewage rates going up, the water rates out of control. City council wouldn't do anything about the water rates with Cal water. And then the B Street boondoggle. So she just up and moved 
to Plumas Lake to get out of the city. And now she her comment to me was was the other day. She said, didn't can't the county learn anything about being really stupid? Uh, And and to stay away from real estate. So let's see, who do we have on the board right now? We have Randy Fletcher. We have Andy Vasquez. We have Mike Leahy. Let's see. We have Bradford from Plumas Lake. And uh, let's see. It seems like there's another one in there somewhere, but it doesn't really make a difference because I don't think one of them is ever. And I don't think one of them is an expert in real estate investment and business investment. They may own their own business, but that's a big difference than than managing a business by committee. Now, let me tell you a couple businesses that government manages by committee. One is post office. They're 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 going upside down eight billion a year. That means you think, oh, you go buy your little 50 cent stamp or whatever it is. And uh, but on top of that stamp, we're given eight billion a year because it can't afford to run it. Now, the other one is Amtrak, which is a total boondoggle. Right. If if a private entity ran a train running people across the United States, they would be making a nice profit. Right. I mean, the airlines, I can jump on an airline like Southwest, and I don't even have to pay because I got so many credits for flying Southwest. They let me fly for free. I pay like $10, and I can fly to L.A. I can fly to like uh, anywhere in the United States. I can fly for free. Now, that's pretty good, right? That's a private enterprise. I got to pay. If I wanted to go across Amtrak across the United States, it cost me $100, right? And they're losing money. It's crazy. So Yuba County is going to explore the option to purchase Plumas Lake Golf Course. Now, this is the same Yuba County. I'm just saying, now maybe these guys are going to make a bajillion dollars on this. They're going to turn around and flip it, just like they're going to turn around and flip the B Street boondoggle over there before it went went bankrupt, before the the, uh, housing bubble happened. So uh, these guys are going to go out there. Now, these are the same guys that claimed that they had no money to hire law enforcement. Right. That's their primary role is to hire law enforcement and to manage law enforcement and a jail and manage fire department. That's the when you organize a county, that's it. Protect private property, protect people. They said to us not a year or so ago, we ran out of money. We You aren't giving us enough money. So we got to add a one percent sales tax and we're calling it Measure K. We're out of money. Now they're going to go buy a golf course. Now, how does that figure? It's just the craziest thing I ever heard of. So amazing. Now, the other thing that's it's just nuts, though, it's just unbelievable. It says here that I'm just reading through these these gifts of old appeal Democrats to me. December 15, 2019. Yuba County schools place bond measures on the ballot. Every single election, watch for bond measures. For those, a bond, uh, a bond measure, for those that don't know what it is, is giving the authority to government to go out and borrow money, and then you pay for it. You with me? They borrow money, and then you pay for it. Now, sometimes uh, the money is paid for out of the general fund of the state of California. Sometimes it's paid for out of the general fund of the uh, county. But in the terms of schools, it's attached to your property tax bill. And the people that don't own property don't pay anything. Now, you say, well, they pay indirectly because they have to rent a house, so the rent goes up. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But but however the rents work out for renters, 
you the bond is uh, divided up. You pay your fair share per hundred thousand dollars of value to pay off the bond. And sometimes it takes 30 and 40 years. Is that incredible or what? 30 or 40 years. Now, this says Plumas Lake, who just tried to get through a bond, they want to issue $30 million in bonds. Now, when you authorize them to issue a bond, bonds, they may not issue the bonds right away, or they may issue instead of $30 million, they may issue $5 million or $10 million. And uh, then they try to look for advantageous times to issue those bonds. So they may not issue them all all at once. And But when they issue them, then they add it to your tax bill. So when you look at your tax bill, some of you don't even look at your tax bill because you're paying it in your mortgage. And you don't even pay any attention to the paperwork because you say, oh, that's paid for. Next time, but they probably will send you a tax bill and say paid for in your mortgage. You need to look at it and see what percentage of your tax bill is actual property taxes and what percentage is add-on fees like paying off this bond, paying off an Oliver's Public Utility District bond, paying off uh, retiring debt for the levies or a levy bond, right? These are all different types of bonds that are attached uh, to your property tax. That means people, many, many people in this uh, community do not live, do not own their own property. They don't own any property. So they don't have to pay directly like this. They're not obligated. So anyway, the Plumas, Plumas Lake, the, we, we, we did this the last time there was a um, Plumas Lake a bond on the ballot. And we asked the question of Gary Bradford, the supervisor, tell us how many empty seats there are in your schools because he said oh we're 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 building all these houses and when we build all these houses we're going to have need more more room for more kids well that's not true because if people buy the houses and they don't have kids you don't need bigger schools not every family has children if you have retired people or they're older people maybe their kids are already high school kids or college kids they don't need more schools so just because you have more lots being develop doesn't mean you're going to have more families with children. The second thing is Bradford didn't know what he was talking about. He began to talk about, oh, well, we're out of space. We're out of this. We're out of that. And we ended up finding out there were 500 empty seats in those schools out there that they wanted to pass a bond for. So that's a lot of classrooms, right? That's 10 or 12 classrooms. And uh, then I don't know if you've seen many schools, Mary Kovalod school that is packed with kids. Half of them are interdistrict transfers, 500 kids. They got half their kids in modulars. Well, the modulars are nice. And, and the sit and the school district decided they didn't want to help Mary Kovalod by developing better classrooms. Uh, so, but the fact is you can buy nice modulars to, to become a buffer between if you really have a gush of students that you don't have room for, you can put in modulars overnight. You can put up modulars. Within a month, you could have modulars. And and you could carry another 10, 10 classes. 10 classes, 30 students a class, 300 students, right? So there's ways around this. These things are costing. In fact, I'm gonna, when we come back, we're at the end of our fourth segment. I'm going to talk to you about the payback on a major J bond from Yuba College back in 2006, they issued $4 million. Of, they, they were authorized to issue a lot more bonds, but, but uh, the, 
the economy went nuts, but they they needed this money, and they issued these bonds at a very high expense rate. The payback was for every dollar they borrowed. I want you to think of the times you borrowed money and how what the payback was, whether you paid back on a car or a house or whatever. You know what I mean? So maybe you borrowed $50,000, had to pay back $60,000 or $70,000, right, depending on the interest rate. The payback on these bonds, these J bonds, was $12 for every $1 they borrowed, right? So if they borrowed a million, they had to pay back $12 million. Is that like blowing your mind? And you wonder why the government is going broke all the time. For a million dollars, they, they actually went on and got $4 million. So in, they had to pay back over $50 million on that deal. Are you with me? That's crazy. We have people in our community that would never do that at their in their private finances, but they because they just lose their mind when they're handling other people's money. It's totally freaky. We're going to finish up here, and uh, we'll be right back. Let me see. Uh, oh, this is good. There's a Netflix uh, movie. I guess I don't go to movies a lot. I just never get around to it. But it's, uh, I guess they, they thought that Jesus might be a homosexual. So this is a little clip about that. Be right back. Oh, babe, don't say you're doing fine. Don't hide yourself away. There's something on your mind. You're drinking in the day. Crumbling from the way. Sometimes it's good to cry. So Netflix has released some film about a gay Jesus. Some conservatives are demanding that they take it down immediately. I'm not going to demand that they take it down, and here's why. The First Amendment, freedom of speech, and that means all speech. Disgusting, blasphemous, wouldn't want to be standing next to you in a lightning storm, here's some burn cream and a cool drink for Judgment Day, speech. I say let Netflix show their true colors. This is who they are. And then let the market decide. Now, are we really surprised that this happened? We let them take God out of schools over 60 years ago. Separation of church and state was supposed to protect us from a state-mandated religion, not take God out of everything. But here we are. Uh, this is just a warning. We about to have a little church service up in here. We teach kids that they came from primordial scum and that it's survival of the fittest. That they're just an accident on the spinning globe. That there's no real purpose to life other than to pursue pleasure and comfort until you die. Third graders are being instructed on how to have anal sex. That queer is cool. And that gender is something that you choose in your mind based on feelings. And parents are cheering this. I'm feeling some feelings in my mind right now. I think I'm going to identify as a heavily armed member of a modern-day crusade. <laughs> Women are going around shouting their abortion, as if murdering your child is something bragworthy or brave. The role of the father is no longer needed, and dads are constantly being portrayed in media as bumbling idiots, disrespected by their kids and their wives. The goal is to destroy the family unit, and replace it with government, and they are succeeding. We have dumbed down our churches and are afraid to teach warrior-like messages full of loving but confrontational faith. Now at church we have fog machines, coffee bars, and weak messages on how to pursue prosperity and find your life's purpose. Satan is so pleased! <laughs> 
Feelings take precedence over facts. People are obsessed with themselves. Knowledge has increased, but wisdom is nowhere to be found. Good is now evil, and evil is now good. And now we have Gay Jesus on Netflix. Are we really surprised that a godless people raised in a godless society produced a godless thing? Two action steps. One, go and cancel your subscription to Netflix right now and tell them why you left. I don't care if you're in the middle of some amazing TV series. Be a warrior for your king and do it. Make a stand for your God. Two, pray for them. Pray for the people that are so disgusted with our God that they would make this trash and be proud of it. Pray that someone, maybe even you, would show them that we have a loving God who is holy and righteous and merciful, but he is also just. There will be a day when we give an account for our life. Lack of accountability and consequence are two core issues that are taking down our society right now. Just look at our government. Liars prosper. People literally get away with murder. That comes from us Christians, letting them take God out of America and then letting them replace him with evil. That comes from people thinking there is no final day of accountability. That comes from the American church not lovingly and fiercely defending what is right and good. And that is why we have Gay Jesus on Netflix. At the end of the day, you don't necessarily need a choice of 23 underarm spray deodorants <laughs> or 18 different pairs of sneakers when children are hungry in this country. Every day in this country, thousands of children go hungry because of too many deodorant choices. This is Hannah. Hannah wasn't always hungry until the day Old Spice released its Red Zone Aqua Reef Sweat Defense Solid. And now she's starving. At the Bernie Sanders Save the Children Fund, we work tirelessly to remove such choices from the marketplace so we can feed every child in America economics. Say, do you have any other kinds? I'm actually allergic What to are you, in the 1%? Yes, the 1% of people fatally allergic to aluminum. Just another bourgeois fat cat. Call the Bernie Sanders Save the Children Fund and we'll even include a photo of a special child your donation is helping. Of course, it's the same child in every photo because... Why choices? And if you call in the next 10 minutes, we'll even include admission to the Bernie Sanders School of Economics, where tuition is free and yet overpriced. The Bernie Sanders Save the Children Fund. Call today. All right. Well, before I get into Yuba College and talking about their bonds, everybody's wanting bonds. Oh, let's see who did who. I didn't even finish this other one. Yuba County Schools, Plumas Lake wants a bond. Wants a bond. They're going to be on the ballot. They want thirty million dollars. But here's the deal: it's not only the amount that they want; it's the payback. That's a killer, man. They sell these bonds, and they, they get screwed on these bonds. Wheatland High is wanting a bond. Um, they just We just passed a bond called Measure U, a $9 million bond in 2012. It's just 2019 now. They already want more money. Um, so Wheatland claims they've only gone to the voters uh, once in the last 50 years. You know the question I have? With all the taxes we paid, why do we have to go to the voters to build new schools? Why can't we just pay the tax and you set aside money 
to build schools, to repair schools. Yuba College even says we need to borrow money to repair the roof. I thought, what the heck? We're paying all kinds of money for college, and and then we got to borrow money to build. Like, how many of you go out and borrow money to fix your roof on your house? Maybe a lot of you do. I don't. I I just save my 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 approach is save money because all hell's going to break loose, right? The washer's going to break, the plumbing's going to break, the paint's going to fall off, the roof's going to get a hole in it. So just save money, and when it comes, you just have to decide what color you want, right? You don't have to have a. You have to stay awake at night. You don't have to go to the doctor and get sleeping pills. You can just pay for it. So let's see. Uh, if passed, sixty-six point seven percent of voters like that. It's estimated to be. You're going to charge your taxes. You're going to pay seventy-two dollars. This is for uh, out there at Plumas Lake. They're going to assess you. Every year, $72 for every $100,000 your house is worth. So if you have a $300,000 home, it's going to cost you um, $216 per year. And you think, well, I wonder how long that's going to go on. Till 2056. 56. It's 2020. That's 36 years of paying $2,016 a year, $2,016 a year, $2,016 a year, $2,016 a year. Just think of it. Think of this. uh, I'll do the numbers at the next break on how much the B Street boondoggle is costing per resident. I don't even know how many residents. I'd have to look it up on uh, the Cal Water to see how many residents there are. But... uh, well, you could, we could do it by person. Let me see if I can do it per person. If we had, let me see. I got my phone out here, and um, oh, there's my two thousand two dollars and two thousand two cents plus nine tenths. Let's see. Let me just do this. Uh, I'm just going to figure out what the B Street Boondoggle is costing us over in Marysville because of the fool just absolute you know something people in the river bottoms would make better choices on heroin than the the city council makes so i'm just going to divide six six hundred and fifty thousand a year that's a dollars for the b street boondoggle and i'm just going to divide it by the total population and let's see what that gives us okay so uh say there's uh that's fifty four dollars a year for 25 years uh, for the B Street boondoggle. But but a lot of those people aren't taxpayers. A lot of them are babies, kids, and all that kind of stuff. So let's just say that there's, uh, I don't know how many houses there would be in the, in, let's just say there's 6,000. Let me just say, this is kind of fun. Let's just toying around with numbers. 650,000 and... Uh, Six hundred fifty thousand, and so if there was, um, say, there's five thousand hook, five thousand houses. Okay, let's see, five thousand. So that's one hundred and thirty dollars a year. If there's five thousand taxpayers in the city of Marysville, which I don't think there are, maybe around there, one hundred and thirty dollars a year for twenty five years to pay for one big stupid. Mistake. What can you do with one hundred thirty dollars? I I, I get, make one hundred thirty dollars work for me. But uh, so anyway, we have this Major J. 
Now, this is, this is interesting. In 2006, that's uh, 13 years ago, right? The, uh, the, the people of the, the, uh, of Yuba College District, which is a bunch of different counties, but, but the big voters are in Yuba and Sutter counties, right? And, um, so they authorized, um, these bonds to be passed. They, they, they voted for it. They said, Hey, the college is looking crummy, man. Like nobody's been doing any work. All the money's been going to salaries, right? They just been burning all the money up, giving all the money to teachers. And, um, so anyway, Doug Houston came in. He was he came in after these terrible decisions were made. He's a chancellor, and he he had a cow. You know, you kind of move in, you're taking over a business. You think, what's going on here? And you think, whoa, what are we doing? So to borrow four point six million, uh, they're going to pay back fifty four point two million in interest payment, in just interest payment. In other words, the total was nearly fifty nine million dollars. To just get four point six million now. That's the kind of crazy decision making that's happening in our government. Now Houston and the board, I don't know what they did to correct this, but they, they made some maneuvers to correct that bad decision. So they they so they curbed for every one dollar borrowed you pay back twelve. You know, we used to call this loan sharking when the mafia would do it, right? They'd give you a hundred and then they'd want a hundred back, right? I I mean a hundred plus two hundred back. So you you borrow a hundred, okay, I want two hundred back. And and now we're paying like twelve to one, not two to one, twelve to one, and we're like okay with it. Brent Hasey, by the way, was on the board when they made that decision, and I wrote a letter to the editor. At that time, I, was writing, I wasn't writing articles. I was writing letters to the editor, to the appeal, and, and he got offended that I actually questioned it. I thought, question it? I thought no one in their right mind would make a decision like that. Anyway, uh, now— if we pass the new bonds that Yuba College wants, see, we got the we got uh, Wheatlands wants a bond, uh, Plumas Lake wants a bond, and Yuba College wants a bond. If if the people in Wheatland, if you live in Wheatland or Plumas Lake, and all three of those bonds pass, that means you're going to pay on all three of those bonds. Plus, you're already paying on Yuba College bonds times four, right? It's it's like gnarly out there. And and these politicians are just all for it. So uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, hey, let me mention before I go on here, uh, I don't want to get to the last minute. We have uh, this segment and then one more segment. But uh, Ted Holmes is my friend who helps me a lot with mission stuff, both actually all these guys that I'm helping me here on the radio show are helping me with stuff overseas in Vietnam and stuff in the Yuba County Jail and all kinds of projects, trauma intervention program. And um, so uh, I want to give a shout out to the plumbing doctor who I use to fix my plumbing needs over here, whether I need to upgrade or fix a crisis or keep water from going the wrong direction, something, something. So if you can, it's a 24 hour a day operation, plumbing doctor, six, seven, one, nine, one, one, one. They serve primarily the Yuba Sutter County's area. Five three zero six seven one nine one one one. Everybody needs a plumber. I'm sad to say, I see I see them stroll around the street. Different plumbing operations stop in up and down the block, unplugging stuff and opening up stuff and hooking up stuff. And 
figuring out how come things just keep dripping. And you don't want any drips in the city of Marysville. I'm telling you, you don't want any drips or any seepages. Man, I'm telling you, it's like liquid gold coming out of those pipes. It's interesting. We have this abundance of water in this city. Like even in the drought, the water table didn't even move down, according to people I know that test it. And uh, yet, even though we have an abundance of water, it has nothing to do with how much we pay for it. You'd think we have a great supply. We'd have a cheap, right? Like right now, like in the summertime, because we grow peaches here, you could get peaches really cheap and they're just fresh and tasty and all they're unbelievable. Add a little cream to them. Ooh. But you go back east where they don't grow peaches and they're hard to get and they're, they don't taste so hot because they pick them green, let them ripen later, hopefully, and they taste crummy and they cost a lot of money, supply and demand. But here, when you get a monopoly that's ripping you a new one and and uh, called California Water Service, you're paying four times as much as the guy just across the river and with a municipal service and we have an abundant. We have more water in Marysville than Oliver, San Linda, and Yuba City. We got more water here, and we pay four times, three and four times as much for it. You figure it out. That's what government does for you, and a monopoly. So um, okay, so let's see where are we going here. I don't know. I got some stuff to talk about. Um, oh, that's bonds measures. I got that covered. Okay. All right. Um, Let's see. What did I want to say? That. Okay. So that's Ted Holmes. Ted Holmes and the plumbing doctor. We got you covered. I got all those things covered. This was shocking. You know something? uh, I have people, because I'm online with um, Facebook with uh, retired police officers and current police officers, and they post... um, and uh, show respect to officers that have been killed in the light and duty, whether they got in a car crash or whether they uh, got run over out on the highway or shot or had a heart attack or took their own life or whatever. They memorialize them by showing a picture of them and and uh, just remind you of the cost of doing the job. But uh, I noticed uh, an article where in the last 50 weeks, so that's this year, right? Last 50 weeks, probably back from the start of 2019, 38 police officers have been shot to death in the line of duty. Now, that's that's sobering for me. And I don't like the sound of that. I had a, the only law enforcement person I had in my family, I had a cousin that was uh, actually drove motorcycle back when they drove motorcycles for the highway patrol. And he was a local guy. and uh, But I've known many, many, many officers and uh, have great respect for them. So uh, so they, I, I think, I don't know who all put this together, but CNN did an article on it. And uh, the parameters of this uh, account of the numbers was the officer was fatally shot this year. The officer was on on duty at the time of the shooting, and the officer did not die by friendly fire. So he's actually shot by uh, someone else other than an accident. So they they just go day by day by day through the whole year. It's shocking. Uh, Jersey City Police Detective Joseph Seals tells how he was shot. Houston Police Sergeant Christopher Brewster shot and killed responding, responding to domestic violence. Uh, Joseph Seals, uh, let's see, was killed 
in gunfire. He was a 15-year veteran. Uh, Huntsville, Alabama, police agent Billy Fred Clardy shot and killed responding to a drug investigation. Uh, Alabama Sheriff John Williams. Sheriff John Williams was gunned down during a call to a nearby gas station. Detroit police officer Rasheen McLean shot and killed by a gunman accused of invading a home in Detroit. Richmond County Sheriff's Officer Investigator Cecil Ridley routine patrol when a suspect shot him outside of a convenience store. Dayton, Ohio Police Detective Jorge Del Rio shot in the face while serving a drug-related search warrant. El Dorado County, California, Sheriff Brian Ishmael, 37, killed while responding to a report of a marijuana theft. Harris County, Texas, Deputy Sheriff Sandeep Dollywall, killed when a suspect shot him in the back of the head during a traffic stop. That was the first Sikh deputy in Harris County ever. Uh, Dollywall made history in 2015 when the department allowed him to wear his turban as a part of the uniform. That should mean something for the local Sikh community here. Pretty powerful, pretty interesting. But anyway, on and on and on. I'm only I'm, I started in late December and I'm only working my way to mid-September. I just on and on and on. You could probably look this up. It's really very sobering. And I'll just say this. I'm not blaming Barack Obama for every killing of a police chief or police officer. I will say this, that when you have a, a leader, exec, you know, the uh, the commander in chief, if you will, of the military, the commander in chief of the military is Donald Trump or Barack Obama or George Bush or Bill Clinton, whoever president is at that time. That person's attitude and demeanor and comments about law enforcement and military is absolutely very powerful and huge. And so if they demean law enforcement and they make mocking comments of law enforcement or military, that carries down into folks that are on the edge and they feel a liberty that they can take people out. That's just the way there's an influence there. And uh, by the way, I get a kick out of um, when the liberals just throw a hissy fit every time Trump fires somebody. Do you remember anybody even whimpering when Barack Obama fired over 200, 200 commanders and leaders in the U.S. military and replaced them with people that were more obliging to his philosophy of life? Right. Did any of you do you remember Stanley? I think it was Commander Stanley McChrystal, who was the head of allied forces in Afghanistan. And he complained about Barack Obama's uh, strategy or lack of strategy in the area. And they forced him to resign. That was it. Just one comment. He's out. Right. Out. Guy had a stellar record. Barack Obama fires 200. And uh, Trump has a rebellious secretary of the Navy who is supposed to be serving under Trump and disrespects him three times in a row. He cans him. I would have canned him the first time. I think Trump actually is pretty gracious. Anyway, 
if if you, you remember when they had the beer summit, when the police officer was called to somebody breaking into a house and it turned out it was the owner of the house breaking into his own house and he happened to be a black guy. You can't, you know, you can't do that with, you're much better off letting the black guy get shot out there than going and just picking up his body because everybody's going to call you a racist. But it was a white officer who apprehended the black guy as if he was breaking in the house because he appeared to be breaking in the house. In fact, it was the other day, a friend of mine's daughter, uh, got arrested taking care of her house because she was having some personal problems. And uh, she should have been arrested for her misbehavior, right? She was out of her mind or something, using drugs or something. But that went okay. But this guy, we had to have a beer summit. You remember the beer summit where the officer and and the the, uh, the guy, he the professor, turned out to be a professor, he arrested and and Obama had to sit down and have a beer of it. It was totally disrespectful to law enforcement. Totally disrespectful. Uh, you know, Barack Obama is uh, and all his terrorist friends. That, uh, in fact, one of them now is uh, the new DA of 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 San Francisco. Did you know that? Chessa. Who would who would name their kid Chessa? That's the name of a cat or something, right? Chessa. Bodine, B-O-D-I-N. His parents were terrorists that killed two police officers. Do you know that? And and he's just celebrated now. Uh, he's he's a radical socialist, and he was raised by uh, people, big Obama supporters, because his parents were in prison. And uh, his mother was Kathy Bodine, and his father, David Gilbert, and... Uh, you know, they killed they they did a bank robbery and they killed they killed a, a number of people. Right. And he was raised by a couple other radicals of the weather weather underground called Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. And they they uh, they lived a life of privilege and uh, teaching at places like Yale University. And they're terrorists. They blew up stuff. They blew up buildings, blew up people. Unbelievable. And so this Chesa Boudin now has been uh, hired or not hired, but voted in to be the new district attorney of uh, San Francisco. And the, he's now said he's not going to pursue any of these small crimes, petty crimes like prostitution or solicitation or defecating in public. And, and also now, you know, there's gang enhancement when a gang member uses a weapon or Gang member does a crime. There's gang enhancements because you're a gang member uh, because they're trying to discourage people from being in gangs. But now he and if you get shot by a gang gang member, beat up or stabbed or run over by a gang member in San Francisco County, you will not be um, there will be no enhancements on the gang member because he's removing all enhancements on gang members because he's not going to go after uh, who you are, but what you did, even though you're a gang member. So that's Chessa, the cat, Bodine. And uh, we'll be right back. We're going to finish up. I guess we're down to our last go around here. Sorry if you're disappointed, but uh, we just got one more 20-minute segment to go. Be right back. I just want to show you you are. You should let me go. Let me be the one. Everything you want and need. Baby, good. 
Mexico, which is... Well, the neighborhood I live in is like Boys Town, you know? It's, it's wild. I walk by a bar. It's a leather bar full of uh, usually people playing Judy Garland records, like, you know? And all of a sudden, I heard all these whistles. I heard... I heard whistles going off, and I thought, hey, it's carnival. I look, and they're all watching a 49ers game going, I'll hurt him! Oh, stop it! Scarves are flying! Penalty! Penalty! Oh, a huddle! Look at that! smorgasbord oh look at that a tight end yes oh it's wild there's a guy walking around it's Christmas time in San Francisco there's a guy dressed up as Sado Claus <laughs> you better watch out you better not out Santa Claus now yeah it's wild oh, oh boy Difficult times. Yes. You want to talk about your movie? Sure. <laughs> yeah, here, here, know some slides now. It's called Hello Vietnam. You play Good morning, Vietnam. Hello morning. Vietnam would have been better. Then we could do it as a musical. <laughs> Hello Vietnam. <laughs> Ethel Merman in the patties. Watch out. <laughs> or Elvis. You could have Elvis going. Here we go. Pardon me. Can we stop the fighting? I want to sing. So I went to this Chinese all-you-can-eat buffet, and while the owner, he got pissed. I mean, he was rude, though. He'd come out every hour. <laughs> Son of a bitch still here. <laughs> Look, he go again. He started screaming at me. You're gone now. You're here for hour. Why you here for hour? You not come here anymore. Why you have spare rib? You're so big. Eat vegetable. Eat broccoli. You're scared. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. But there was something so special about that day. Even your emotions had an echo. So much space. All right. Uh, I don't think I wish you a Merry Christmas, but uh, if I did, I'm doing it twice. I'm wishing you a Merry Christmas twice. And I uh, hope you have a good time and uh, find some folks if you don't have your family around uh, find some folks that you can have a good time with love on some folks find some folks maybe that don't have anybody and link up with them go get some food and maybe go see a movie and just have a good time enjoy maybe go to church catch a catch some uh, spiritual vibes get a little touch from God and uh, love on some people that are hurting. It's always a good time of year. And um, give something to somebody that can't give you anything back. Do something kind out there, right? So before I go on, um, I wanted to mention trauma intervention program that I run. <clears throat> we do about, oh, 30 to 40 calls a month helping uh, all the 25 different agencies in Yuba Sutter County. Sometimes we actually cross over into Butte County or Nevada County. 
up here in Yuba Sutter counties, and we go and provide emotional and practical support during people, the survivors of an incident, could be a fire, could be a death of, from any source, of any any cause, could be just a sudden loss of health where the people survive, could be all kinds of stuff. And, and so we provide help, and uh, for no charge, all our services are free. We help people get in to find resources for their need if they have a death of a child or death by suicide or whatever they need. We help them, and at no charge, and 24-hour-a-day service, uh, live service, no, you know, no, no caller operation out of Bangalore, India. It's all local, and uh, but it's and it's not no charge to the taxpayer, uh, no charge to government. We're not in the uh, budget of any of the law enforcement, fire, by county ambulance, or whatever they if they want to give us money, they do it out of the goodness of their heart. We don't charge them going in. But if you'd like to help us at the end of the year, sometimes people like to give and take a tax write-off. If you'd like to help us, you can, and um, that pays our expenses to train people. We train volunteers once a year. In fact, if you're interested in being a trauma intervention volunteer, you live in Yuba Sutter Counties, give me a shout-out at 530-713-1838. Uh, text me, call me, or you could go to yubasuttertip.org and check it out and go to the resources page, and then you can you can email me from there, Tip. Dot org, all one word. Uh, so we're going to be training here at the end of February, starting on the 27th of the month to bring on new volunteers. But in the meantime, we're, we're raising some money. So if you want to help us, we make it really easy. If you want 100% of your donation to help us, you can just send us a check to uh, TIP, T-I-P, P.O. Box 645, Marysville, 95901, Marysville, California. And that's TIP. Box 645 Marysville, California, 95901. If you don't do checks anymore, which some of my friends, they, they done forgot about checks. They're all <clears throat> online. And uh, you can reach us through GoFundMe.com backslash tip 2020, the, the, the numerics 2020. So once again, GoFundMe.com backslash tip 2020. And uh, we sure appreciate your help. We put in about 40,000 hours of service. All of our volunteers do total 40,000 a year, which turns out to be approaching a million dollars, according to the federal government's figures, a million dollars worth of contributions to our local citizens, which uh, we like. So we, we include in those citizens uh, people that had a bad thing happen to them, as well as chp officers who had a bad thing happen to them where they got run over and traumatized and we we actually worked with the wife of that situation i mentioned earlier in the podcast so uh there's that and uh, there's a lot of good organizations to help and lots of people do good things in america that's one of the unique things about america that you may if you don't get out much you don't get around the world america is unique in the fact that we do a lot of volunteerism, and because of that, we have a really great um, quality of life. We have a lot of things that other countries don't have because they're not willing to go out there and uh, volunteer and make and add you know add services to our community and benefits to our community that don't cost people anything. 
In fact, I got a call today from a uh, retired law enforcement sheriff uh, officer uh, who who has been around this area for years. She called me because she's volunteering in one of the local jails, helping um, women uh, make a decision to change their life. And we were brainstorming on how to do that best and, and what would help. And what we need is resources in the community. She's doing work over in Sutter County. I'm in Yuba County. But but the whole idea is there's people out there that are willing to help uh, and not get any pay for it. They're, the satisfaction is seeing somebody do really good. And so Americans are unique in that fact. It isn't that there's no volunteers anywhere else in the world. It's just Americans do more of it, lots more of it, right, lots more of it. Well, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm down to uh, 15, 14 minutes or so, so I'm, I'm kind of scanning things, and I, I just want to uh, – let me just say this. Um, I, I brought up earlier these bonds at Yuba College are wanting, and there's high schools and grammar schools, and everybody's wanting money. And all the while that the California legislature has a surplus of money, and all the while that much of the money that is spent for government is wasted. That's a problem. When you have 20% of the money that goes towards buildings wasted because of the Davis-Bacon Act requiring certain levels of pay in the contract, that's bad news for taxpayers. And over and over again, taxpayers' money is totally wasted. Most of the money that uh, you give to taxes is absolutely wasted on stupid stuff. Now, when you think of uh, Yuba College in their argument on the ballot argument, they claim to be the premier or primary uh, job training uh, institution in the district. And that I don't want to call them liars because I know some of them and they're nice people out there. I just I just think that's an incredible statement that is untrue. Uh, it's it's uh, it's we could debate that uh, fervently and argue that. And the biggest trainers of uh, people going into the work the workforce uh, is the private sector. In fact, I just talked to a kid in Juvenile Hall the other day, and he's he wants to go to UTI, which is a, a company just on the between here in Sacramento that trains people on how to work on vehicles and uh, diesel mechanics, gas mechanics, et cetera, et cetera. And usually the people before they leave there are hired by companies. They're, they don't have to go look for a job. They're recruited right out of there because they know they're highly trained. When you compare colleges and the failure rate in colleges and how few people actually, you know, we're in the single digits in some colleges that people start and never, never complete. They borrow money, thousands and thousands of dollars. The federal government gives away all this money. So if there was no, for instance, if there was no loans, these student loans to go to colleges, the tuition rates would be a lot less. But since they can charge these fantastic tuition rates, why? Because you have a third party paying the way of students. If students had to go out and earn their money to pay their way, Tuition rates would drop immediately and salaries of teachers would drop. So we have this incredible high cost. So you think, well, if the government's paying it, so what? Well, the fact is uh, students walk out of school and may not ever use the education because the education isn't worth anything. To, and they, they don't have a trade. 
and they walk out and they have $100,000 worth of debt, $40,000 worth of debt. Just think of yourself starting out in something and you have a $40,000 bill you have to pay. It's just incredible. I went to college. I dropped out before I finished, but I had no debt. I just paid as I went. I worked and I paid. Now, the other thing is colleges, the courses do not prepare you um, to succeed in school. I mean, to succeed in life. And so I asked somebody the other day, uh, she was, she's a high, she's trying to finish her high school. She's a foster kid. She aged out of the foster system and she's living alone. She doesn't have any idea what she's doing. The, the government's no help to her besides paying for a building to her be in. She doesn't know how to do a checkbook. She doesn't know how to shop. She doesn't know how to manage her money. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't know how to take care of herself when she's sick. She's 18 years old. She just doesn't know much. But she's a nice kid. And so uh, I I asked her, I said, I said, well, just go down the street to one stop. She lives near one stop. And I said, go down there and see if if they'll help you get a job. Because I said, you need to you can't live on the government. There's not enough money there. You're going to have to get a job and, and be free of the government. But it's interesting. I just asked her three questions. I said, can you read? Can you write? And can you do basic math? Because you can get a good job. Or you can go into a tech school. And I said, go find yourself a tech school and forget college. Just forget it. It's just a total waste of time. And uh, because they're not training, they're not the job trainers. They're not. What does sociology do for you? What is, you know, a lot of the classes they teach in college are just a total waste of time. Now, when you have a class at college and and it's on zombies, that is not helping you uh, be a better husband. Be an honest person, make critical decisions, uh, or get a good job. Now, let me just give you some examples. There, I, I'm actually going to write an article about this, so I was doing some research on it. But uh, and I wondered how can I find out the weird classes that are being taught, and I just googled it, and it, it came up. So I want to read you some of the class deals and see if you want to pay ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars and. And your kid put a kid on pause by going to college in these weird college classes. This is surviving the coming zombie apocalypse. That's one class. Okay. That's taught at Michigan State University, right? Big college. Here's another one. The art of walking, the German novella. It, it actually is an exploration of Germans, German cultures, wandering traditions through literature and weekly hikes, doing hiking. Introduction to beekeeping. If you want to be a beekeeper, hallelujah to you. But I don't think you want to go here. I would just go, go. I just went out to Strock and Apiaries on Terrabuena Road next to the Sikh temple out there. And I bought myself some honey because I know the Strockens. Now, I think if I wanted to learn about beekeeping, I would go to work for the Strockens and see if I could, I could do a, an apprenticeship out there. If I wanted to, if I wanted to start my own beekeeping business, I'd say, can you teach me how to do this? I wouldn't take it. At, this is courses taught at Temple University. And it's not training you how to be a beekeeper. It's just training about bees, the art and science of bees. How about the science of Harry Potter taught, taught at Frostburg State University? You want to, how do you think, you think it's going to help you? He's, this is Professor Plitnik explores the physics behind the magic throughout the beloved book series. You pay for your kid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to to spend. And to me, even in the money, it's a waste of your mental energy. 
Black Women, Beyonce, and Popular Culture. How about that one? University of Texas, San Antonio. How about Coffee 101? This is Oberlin, Oberlin Experimental College. This is the college that tried to shut down that baker at, at, uh, in their nearby village. And uh, they got sued and lost $33 million because they accused them of racism because they had a black couple of black kids trying to steal out of their store. It focuses on coffee and its history from the average Joe, for the average Joe. Coffee 101. You, you want your kid to take that course? You think it's going to be a make or break for their future? This isn't like studying Shakespeare or studying uh, the writings of Samuel Clemens or studying uh, American history. This is, this is crap, people. How to stage a revolution. Ohio State University is training the next generation to revolt. How about that? Here's another course called The Selfie. Uh, just everything about why people take selfies. How about this? The good life living on a dollar a day. Now, there might be some merit here teaching people how to live. Alfred University. I don't know. That even doesn't sound like a legitimate university. Students learned the connection between happiness and money. Hmm. I thought parents were supposed to teach that. How about the politics of Kanye West? Black genius and sonic aesthetics. The whole semester with Kanye West. Just imagine. Washington University in St. Louis. That's where that is. How about pattern making for dog garments? You just you had to go to college and you think, what are, what are you taking? Would you be proud if your kid came home and said he was going to design dog garments? Wasting time on the Internet. How about that one? University of Pennsylvania. Um, they're offering this class. It's uh, studying about wasting time. Um, talking about that the Internet is the greatest poem ever written. You know, some of these people, I think some of these instructors are taking LSD. My my art appreciation instructor at Sac State University down in Sacramento, he, he invited all of his class over to his house to eat some of his home cooking. He lived over in Sonoma County, and everybody dropped acid. That was, that was what he offered for these young kids. Uh, here's another one, arguing with Judge Judy. How about that course? That's UC Berkeley arguing with Judge Judy, taking some of her, watching her TV show and and uh, finding fault with it. Adultery, uh, the uh, the adultery novel in and out of Russia. Class asked students to consider it as as a literary theme. Adultery. The vampire in literature and cinema. The growing popularity of vampires. How about that? I'm just skipping around here. Uh, the Living and Undead, Inquiry into Zombies in Cinema and Literature. A lot of zombie. How about this? The Phallus. Explore the role of this part of the human body, the male body, and the role that it's played in society from early, often sexist works of Freud to newer feminist theories. That's at Occidental College. American Degenerates. The relationship between writers and early Americans and their sense of personal identity. Hmm. Well, let's see. Sex, rugs, salt, and coal. That's another course. 
I, I don't know how these, do you think these things are going to be the make or break on whether you have meaning in your life or uh, make a, make a, you know, make some money. Alien sex, explore the weird, wild and depraved aspects of sex between humans and monsters alike. Now there's such a thing as sex between humans and demons, right? That's, that's real. Uh, let's see. Let me, I got a hundred of these. Uh, let's see. UFOs in American society. That's another course. The good, bad, and the revolting. The science of Harry Potter. Lots of stuff on Harry Potter. The joy of garbage. Farside entomology. You know the Farside comics? This is a whole course from Oregon State. Joy of garbage, UC Berkeley. Um, Caltech, the amazing world of bubbles. How about that for a deal? How about this? Fem sex. Carleton College. Teaching women about different definitions of sex, orgasms, sexual norms and taboos like incest. I wonder if they practice during that class or just like it's all intellectual. Just like is it is it all just like uh, you're going to put your uh, money where your mouth is. You're just going to talk about this Lego robotics games and civic engagement. Just like incredible talking, taking marks seriously. Here's one just on full blown communism on at Amherst College. Just like. Looking for the love there. The Beatles. Here's a here's a course on the Beatles. We're paying for this, folks. This is this is what your tax dollars are going for. For if, if this is a government supported college, tree climbing. Students who never learned to climb a tree as a child can now receive college level education on the subject through the course, and they practice tree climbing. And this isn't tree climbing to trim a tree. This is like a a tree climb. Like, go up there and just experience life 40 feet off the ground or 10 feet off the ground. Golf course management. Maybe the Yuba County ought to send some people to that. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They could study that, right? Calvin and Hobbes, the comic strip. Superheroes. American pro wrestling. American soap operas. Zombie and popular media. Well... Lots of crazy classes. Why would you send your kids to these? I would recommend you. There's probably a handful of colleges I would recommend around the United States. One of them is Hillsdale College. I know it's up there in cold Michigan, but I'm telling you, if you're going to spend money, I would just most kids can just go to a great tech school and get a great living, make 50, 60, 70, 80 thousand dollars right out of school. If you need to get a nursing degree, an engineering degree, you're going to become a doctor. You're going to have to go to one of these mainline schools, but you can focus on the science, right? And skip through a lot of this nonsense. But a lot of kids have no direction. They go to college because you sent them there. You think, oh, you need to get a college education. And they learn a bunch of crap that's being taught here. All right. So we're calling it a day. Hope you have a great Christmas. They call it a Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll be back to you one more time before the new year, but we'll celebrate Happy New Year as well. And uh, if you run into somebody that you don't know this week and you think, hmm, I wonder who that is, it may be an angel and you don't know about it. So treat them nice. Catch you later. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. Certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. 
Sweetheart of Mills, Sweetheart of Mills, Sugar to Kiss, Sugar to Kiss. 